Podcast for Snowden. 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 My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Molesky. Uh, I'd like to be known as the true hoo-ha. Did they say that in the movie? No, it was just her screen name. Oh. Who's? Wait, I thought it was something like Journey Girl 14 or something. It's the true hoo-ha. Man, that's awesome. Ooh, uh, the girl? Shailene Woodley was the true The only girl in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, what's Melissa Leo, Kelly Wand? Oh, that's a good point. She would have that screen name. <laughs> oh, and speaking of Kelly Wand, with a tagline or two or maybe three for Snowden, Kelly Wand. Uh, it's like Falcon and the Snowman, but without Falcon. Good. That might be a little dated. Do you have one that millennials might understand? <laughs> now available on WikiLeaks. Ah, uh, good. Kelly Wand. Nice. Ah. I, do you want to stop there? Or you got more. No, I got three more. Awesome. Run with them. I got excited. Yeah. Shailene Woodley plays an Italian. <laughs> I don't understand that one. Is that an Amanda, Amanda Knox joke? It's like Born on the Fourth of July, but instead of explosions, it's a guy typing. <laughs> and finally, this may be more topical than I want, even. Mm-hmm. I'll take it over a movie called Jaden. <laughs> I don't understand that one either. It's a Jaden Smith joke. Like, I wouldn't want to see a biopic about Jaden yet. Oh, oh, okay. We have to wait and see how things pan out if there's a day of the earth stood still, too, before we make that biopic. What was your question? Okay, I mean, is there any – that seems like it would be true of almost every biopic ever in existence, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm just saying – Okay, you're saying Snowden fits in with that, that that you would rather watch that than a biopic about Jaden Smith. Well, also, they have similar names. Snowden and – oh, Jaden. I get it. I see now what you're doing. See? I see. It was sort of it's one that you – play on words. Yeah, your ear has to hear that, though. Good. Good, Kelly Wand. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, you, no, you have to notice one syllable of that joke over all <laughs> the rest combined for it to work at all. Very good. Which I really helped by just saying it like you didn't have to pay attention. Right. Speaking anyway. of, of paying attention, uh, Kelly Wand, why don't you and I have a quiz and let's see who's smarter. And Dingus is going to administer the quiz. Are we going to have a quiz? Yeah, let's have one. All right. Yes, have one. <laughs> God, not a quote. It doesn't count. Ugh. Well, now it's stuck in my head because it's such a weird... Non-quote. I yeah, I know, right. Although, in I didn't think of this at the time, but I kind of vaguely remember now people really laughing when that line was said. I don't understand it... that joke either. I understood your Jaden Smith one easier than, than that. Because it's said twice. It's that the doesn't rule make of, something it's funny. The rule of twos, Tom. That doesn't make something funny. See, I just said something twice. It wasn't funny either time. Try it again. No, he's saying everything twice. That saying three things, saying something three things is funny though. If they'd Thank said you. have some, yes, have some a third time, that would I would have busted a gut at that in Ghostbusters. I always like the fifth time in running gags. That's yeah, always I, the funny. Like, oh, come on, you got tell me, me about it. Yeah, like, I always, I always I'll take say. the fifth. <laughs> you can say that again. Uh, that's what she said. What's he say? Oh, tell me about it. You can say that again. 
You can say that again. Oh, God, that awful. I don't even remember the name of that movie now. Absolutely not. Tell me about it. What was the name of that movie that I hated, that you liked, and that Dingus and I hated? They came together. They came together. my top ten. You know, that's funny because that was before I knew how much I liked Amy Poehler. Wasn't that Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, right? You put them on my desktop when you gave me a laptop when I moved to Germany. (laughs) She gave me a movie, and I left it on eagerly. Dingus, now that we know Parks and Rec, do you think we should give They Came Together another chance now that we love Amy Poehler? No. Okay. I'm with Dingus on that. You don't like David Wayne movies. I really don't. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, Unless it's I Love You, Man. Speaking of things that aren't funny. Oh. What? That guy. guy. Saying things in twos and that guy are both things that aren't funny to me. Mm, You know, you don't think a lot of things are funny that most people think are funny. Nobody thinks Mel Brooks is funny, for instance. That's what I'm saying. See? You don't think Young Frankenstein's funny? Uh, I think Terry Gar is adorable. I think Gene Wilder is awesome. I think the Peter Boyle dance bit is fantastic. Gosh, maybe I do like it. All so right. you hate the Gene yeah. Wilder character? <laughs> it's just Marty Feldman I have a problem with. What? I know. What are you talking about? Dingus, get out of this. Easy? Dingus, you're supposed to be giving me and Kelly Wand a quiz. All right. I agree. All right, your quiz uh, this week, whether you choose to accept it or not, is I'm going to give you some character names from a couple of different movies. And you're going to have to tell me which kind of movie this character is from. So this character that I'm going to give you is either from a movie that is in the Star Trek universe or from the Star Wars universe. Ah, good. Okay, because I was oh, like, what are you, where is he going? This makes perfect sense, though. Right. You kind of purred happily that a little bit, Dingus. Yep. They sure did. <laughs> All right. Well, neither of us are Trekkies, and Tom hates Star Wars. So no, favor I, me because I like Tom. Hate Star Tom Star purports to hate yeah. Star Wars, but he knows all the Star Wars stuff. That's he plays, true. He plays all the video games. Beep boop boop. Yeah. I feel like yeah. I got this one, but I don't right. think we don't think he's seen all the Star Treks. All right, so um, uh, I'm flip a coin. Which one of you guys is going to go first? Me, me, me. The I'm raising my hand. <laughs> all right, Tom. Oh, you're going first. Uh, is this from? Is this character from Star Trek, Star Wars, or from neither? Oh, Dingus, you didn't say there was going to be a third option. Uh oh, he's going to punk us, Kelly Wand. By not saying it, he was saying it. Oh, all right. Think about it. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm I'm bracing. I'm like predicting this, what Dingus is going to do. This character's Light name phaser. is. What did you uh, just say? Light phaser. Isn't that one of the weapons from the movie? <laughs> One of the early funnier ones. I think you might be one of the weapons from the movie. Ah, oh, I'm All right, Tom's first. All right, friend. Okay. All right. Fair point. Fair point. This character's name is Keenzer. Oh, isn't that? I think that's someone in Star Trek. Is it that creepy, weird little Ewok guy in, in Star Trek? The Ewok from Star Trek, Tom asked. Simon Pegg's pet. Yes. So Tom gets that one. Very good. And I even knew who it was, and I hate him too. I hate. Games. I know. That's why I didn't think you would get him. He's the Jar Jar of Star Trek. You always Star. pretend not to know his name. All right, Kelly. Keenzer. That is dumb. I hate his name more than his character. I like his character more than Tom does because Tom doesn't like Marty Feldman. <laughs> He's the Marty Feldman of the Star Trek. Okay, I'm ready. He is actually basically he, he his eyes do have the same. That's why Tom doesn't like glow. him. All right, Kelly. Is this from Star Wars, Star Trek, or neither? Grumgar. Oh man, this is too hard. Grumgar. Grumgar. Alright, it's gotta be Star Wars or neither. I'm gonna say Star Wars. 
All right, very good. Grumgar. Do you guys remember who Grumgar is? God, I never. I, I assumed that was when you made up. I would have got that wrong it's as well. Like Gamorians and Return of the Jedi. It does sound like a Gamorian name. Yeah, uh, it sounds part Gamorian on his mother's side. <laughs> Although they're uh, born in vats, they're born out remember, of the shit. Do you remember when they go into the um, uh, into the uh, bar on what's her name's planet? And um, there's this huge dude and this little uh, like elfish character uh, like like cuddled up next to him and uh, that huge dude is Grumgar. Wait, are you talking about in Maz's planet in Force yeah. Awakens? Maz's planet. Ugh, I don't are- consider that one canon. <laughs> oh, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I stopped That's- learning. Name. I feel like the only name you really need to know from Force Awakens is uh, uh, Tebow. And and Tebow and the Lugga Beast. Those are the only ones that I really know. Is he the guy that refuses to kneel on a football field? The football player? So disrespectful. So, so disrespectful. To the field? I sentence you to watch Snowden three times over. Oh, spoilers. SIF. All right, Uh, niggas, hit me with one. Yeah, so, okay. Is this from Star Wars or Star Trek? Gala. As an adjective? I don't think that that would be a Star Wars thing. It doesn't have that kind of panache, but it does seem like wimpy enough to be a Star Trek thing. But I'm thinking you might have made it up, but I'm going to go with Star Trek. It is indeed Star Trek. Very good, Tom. What is it, or who is it? Uh, that is – you remember the uh, the Orion females that um, Kirk was – the, the Ryan female that Kirk was uh, hiding under her bed um, when Uhura green comes skin. in. Yeah, the green skin girl. Diora uh, Baird. That is Gala. Oh, it's Diora Baird? Woo. Yeah, Ooh. in green paint. What? That's Diora Baird? No way. Yeah. Yep. I yep. need to watch Star Trek again. Wow. Or anything with Diora Baird in it. I know, right? Slow motion. What the? Wow. Okay. I know. Let's say, she should, why couldn't she be in the whole movie? It should just be a movie about cool. her. Yeah, just Gala dancing around. I, I'm, I'm into this character now. Dingus, thank they you for educating me. found a reason to take her on the Enterprise. Like the hooker in uh, Firefly. She's I was thinking there. more like the red chick that uh, Chris Pratt has in his ship at the beginning of Ga- Guardians right. of the Galaxy. Very good. Yeah. Oh. I'm be completely honest with you. I forgot you were well, there. Well, he danced around. <laughs> it's a great yeah. moment. <laughs> I relate to her. Kelly Wan, you can't, you can't love Guardians of the Galaxy as much as Dingus and I. You didn't understand it. Oh, no, it's Force Awakens you didn't like. Never mind. Right. Okay. That's all true. I was briefly confused. All right, it's Kelly's turn. Fuck. All right, Kelly. Um, Tom's really good at this. Uh, I don't know what that says about him. Is this Star Trek, Star Wars, or not either? Uh, Captain Robau. (laughs) All right, well, Star Trek has captains. Captain Robau. It sounds like an Imperial name, so I'm going to go with Star Wars. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry, that's actually from Star Trek. <laughs> Captain Robau is the guy who's uh, piloting the Enterprise that Nero, uh, you know, he takes the shuttle over to Nero's ship. That's Captain Robau. There should Rabau. be an option for either. That's D, either. <laughs> D-ther? Yeah, How do you spell right. Captain Robau's name, Dingus? R-O-B-A-U. His, it's, uh, his name is Richard Robau. Um, this is Captain Robau. That's uh, a tough one. Yeah. Damn it. What would you have said, Tom? 
So I would sounds have, French. I would have said Dior or Bird. Oh, bird. <laughs> Baird. Excuse me. Like, yeah. Like Laird. Baird. Yeah, like Laird. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they're related. <laughs> she is quite a, a rara Avis, though. I will say that about her. Uh, I'll say. Yeah. Fuck. I miss her. All right, Tom, yours is the next one. Okay. Um, which movie is this from or neither? Or I guess Kelly wants it to be both. I don't know. It can't be that. So uh, Star Trek, I... Star Wars, or neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, Varmic. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. Or I'm really bad at this. So just basically, I would – I mean – just because I, I'm just going to try to sort of like game Dingus's brain. I'm going to assume this is about the point he would throw in a fake one. So although I would completely believe it's from one or the other, I don't know for sure. So I'm just going to take a wild guess that structurally, Dingus, I'm guessing this is one you invented. So it's neither. No, this is from Star Wars. Uh, Bear, this is what? A, this is a Hask thug that was present in Maz Kanata's castle. Kelly Wan, he's doing all the newfangled stuff that hasn't been in video games. So yeah. Like, otherwise, the I would whole know. idea is it's stuff from my childhood that I can pluck. The whole point. This is why I watched all that dumb shit, and now it's <laughs> all episode seven heavy. He's Lucasing us. He's giving us prequel. All Jargon. right, Kelly. Kelly, you're next. Fuck. So far, we've got uh, two for Tom, one for Kelly. Yep, I'm losing. I'm right. Losing bad. Got to tie it up. Tie maker. Right. Kelly. Who is uh, is this Star Trek, Star Wars, or neither? Doctor Colonia. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, So far, he's done no eat, no neither's because there's too many awesome names. I'm gonna say it, it's not weird enough for Star Wars, so it's Star Trek. I'm sorry, it's Star Wars. This is the doctor <laughs> that works on Chewbacca. In um, Star Wars, The Force Colonia. Awakens. Colonia. Oh, well, it was A. I was picturing it with a C, and then that looked this is like Har- a This is Dr. Harter Colonia, and she works on uh, Chewbacca. And she's like, I'm sure that was very hard for you. I heard she worked under him. Mm. So oh, wow. Fuck. Is it K or C? K. Oh, fuck. Just like Snowden. So, Tom, were you going to object to that? No, no, not at all. I mean, I just, I, 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 I was hoping that I would have an advantage because it was all obscure things I would know from video games. But a lot of these too, and I'm not, I'm not faulting the quiz, but a lot of these, I doubt the names were even said in the movie. Like you'd have to look at the credit list or the, the shooting true. script or something. Uh, but they're legitimate. I mean, you know, you're testing to see how much of a Star Trek and Star Wars nerd we are. And if I was Definitely. really a self-respecting Star Wars nerd, I would be, I would be on that stuff. I'd, be, I'd be studying those things. When she work on Chewbacca? Oh man, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's when she's like helping Chewbacca and, and she's like, I'm sure that was really hard for you. It's and like the scene in Captain Phillips at the end where Tom Hanks breaks yeah. down in front of that corpsman. Yeah. The that's woman. Dr. Colonia. Yeah. I loved her. Well, loved what her was so hard much. for him? Han Solo? He got injured. Uh, okay. She's, and she's like, I'm sure that really hurt. And he's like, That's her line? Mm hmm. It's I don't know. That's right. This is blind. I just love this scene. All right, all right. Oh, so much. All right, Tom, you're next. Yep. Captain Phillips. Still a point up. <laughs> all right. Uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, or is it made up? I yell. Good lord. Okay, so Dingus, that's way too weird for you to have made up. So a whole sentences. Someone's name. 
I-L. Oh, yeah, so this is a word, not the the letter I, the letter L, correct? No, it's A-L. Oh. Okay, you're not doing letter I, like I period, L period. It's not right. like a droid configuration. So I-L. Uh, I-L-567. No, it's I-L. Okay. Uh, Kelly Wan, now I just want to say that it's Force Awakens, but... Uh, it's so hard... I can't get I'm just gonna I'm gonna go with Star some alien in Star Trek. Very good. This is a Romulan who was Ew. the um, next in command after uh, Eric Bana's character. Wow, and they wow, and they probably even said his name. Well, man, I don't know if they would have a Romulan. Okay, those are the bird people. Yes, he was played by uh, an actor named Clifton Collins Jr. What? Awesome. Uh, that's weird. Huh. Who would know, though, under the makeup? Was that one of those? Like, I don't recall it. Like, Eric Oh, Bain? I totally remember him. He's so, so recognizable. It's not like Idris Elba in the last movie. You could see them under their makeup. Oh, no, 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 not at all, because he is, a, he is a, the, you know, the uh, penultimate fight uh, with Kirk on those weird platforms in the wrong oh, chip. Oh, right, right. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, I got your gun. Dingus, did you know that Diora Baird was in that movie? I don't even know what that means. All right, I'm afraid Tom is running away with this one, Kelly. Kelly, one. It's like yeah. the uh, it's like the presidential election here in the United States. I'm Hillary Clinton. You're Donald Trump. I'm doing great. Shut up. <laughs> Where'd you find that, Tom? <laughs> I told you to call Sean Hannity if you want to know what I really think Star Trek is. Okay, what? Uh, all right. Uh, we too have, many to pick from. We have two more. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, here's here's your next one. Is this from Star Trek or Star Wars? It's not something I've made up. Uh, is it from Star Trek or Star Wars? <laughs> it's already hard enough, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Lor Santeca. That's got to be Star Wars. Very that's good. A, that's uh, what. Um, that's super Star Wars sounding. Yeah. Who do you guys think played Lor Santeca? Is it from Force Awakens? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Amber Heard. Amber Baird. Well, I know it's not Simon Pegg because he's like Fat Pigman or whatever that thing was. Um, Fat Pigman. Whatever that guy's name was. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, Dingus. Is it someone we should know? It's a char- It's an actor named um, uh, Max von Sadow. What uh, is his name again? Say it again. Larson Tekka. Wow. Okay. Larson Tekka. Yeah. Larson Tekka. All right, so just to see how much I win by, not whether I win, Dingus, give me the final one. All right, Tom, is this from Star Trek or is this from Star Wars? Bala Teak. Bala, Bala Peak? Bala Teak. Bala is that how they say it in the movie? Uh, now, is this like in a spelling bee? Can I ask, is that one word or two? It's two words with a, it's two words with a hyphen it. Ah, good. Okay, in that case, I'm going to go with Star Trek. Uh, I'm sorry, that's from Star Wars. Damn it. Uh, he's a human male who worked as a negotiator for the Galvian Death Gang. <laughs> <laughs> and who played him, Dingus? I have no idea. I think is, I'm going to give you one. Is this from Star Wars, Star Trek, or neither? Diora Baird. Oh, my God. 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 Yeah. It means no worries. <laughs> yeah, it does. All right. So Tom wins this one just uh, narrowly. Yep. 
And as Hot Tamale, Tom? I saw the, that clip from Hot Tamale. <laughs> uh, there's a few. There's oh, a no, you know, I've seen two clips. I mean, what I meant to say is, sure, yeah, I've seen I've seen Hot Tamale. I've seen the parts. She's in it a lot. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to watch it, not just that dancing clip. Uh, it's pretty boring without her, but she's in it a lot. All right, you can just fast forward past those parts, right? Like, there's no... That's why it's there. Uh, interesting. They are a bear. I need to watch those parts. <laughs> I know. I first discovered her in some trashy uh it's like a a crime drama thing with jim caviezel and i i had no idea who she was but she's in the movie the whole time in this like tight white tank top and i can't concentrate on the damn movie if they're going to dress her like that and have her cavorting about uh it's hugely distracting uh i think it's it's called transit so check out transit all right jim caviezel uh i think it's that movie not not for you all right she shows him in wedding crashers and in Hot Tamale. Well, wasn't she a Playboy model? Yeah, yeah. she was a little well, yeah, yeah, her showing them is great. Really exceptional, right. It's a good point. Okay, sorry. But now she totally likes eating, so we can't watch her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, was that a movie reference, Dingus? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, if it had been a movie reference to a movie that we saw this week, what would it have been a reference to? Yeah, let's talk about real politics. <laughs> Right, this week we saw Snowed In. Uh, hey, 2000, I keep pretending it's that Kate Beckinsale movie where she's snowed in and takes a shower. Oh, Whiteout. Oh, no, yeah, Whiteout. Yeah, yeah. Right. When it snowed in. Snowed in? Snowed in. <laughs> I was thinking okay, sorry. That That's would, what that sound meant. A den you would stay in the snow. No, it's a, oh, it's a God, dude's totally name, would. Snowden. This week we saw Snowden. A 2016 biographical political thriller drama movie about a government employee who reveals how the United States spies on its own citizens illegally. It was directed by Oliver Stone Mm. and written by him and Karen Fitzgerald based on the books The Snowden Files by Luke Harding and Time of the Octopus by Anatoly Kucharena. It stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Melissa Leo, Shailene Woodley. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Kelly. Wow. I mean, what? That was rude? Yeah. That was a compliment. I'm talking about a performance. It's a little difficult after talking about Di- Diora Baird, though. Kind of does set a weird bar. See, I'd say sure to that. Sure to her, too. She's a good actress also. <laughs> Zachary Kinto. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Wilkinson and Nicholas Cage. <laughs> sure. <laughs> My age, I'll take anything. I hope Snowden. that not wrong. <laughs> okay. Snowden is rated R. What? For, <laughs> for language and some sexuality slash nudity. Yeah, there's naked chicks Wait. on the screen. Uh, okay. True story. <laughs> Kelly, hmm. one, did they miss anything that you feel should have been in the ratings disclaimer there? Eventual scenes of disillusionment. <laughs> and Shailene Woodley is an Italian. Why do you keep saying that? She's got dark hair. She has an accent. It's different from the divergent one. What? That means she's she, Italian. She has no accent, and her hair is... She's just a regular old brunette. What, I, what, highlights in it. Dingus, do you think yeah. he saw the wrong movie? You might have. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly Wan, the movie that we saw 
I don't, in which I don't think Shailene Woodley was Italian. It, uh, on Metacritic, it's at 58. It's the average rating from the various reviews. No, that's not the one I saw then. Well, what about one that on Rotten Tomato, 63% of the reviews are positive? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. How about one that opened at number four with $8 million? Which was what was still, number one? Uh, Sully. Um, Blair – oh, wait. Sully, Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. Yeah, Blair Witch. Uh I wrote down Snowden as the third one, but Snowden was not third and fourth. Uh, I don't know what third would have been, but at any rate, it did not uh, do very Blair well. Blair Witch made more than Snowden in Snowden's opening weekend. I actually wandered into – just because it was the sort of thing I'm like, do I want to see this? Because, you know, it's Adam Wingard. Uh, right. Yeah, so so I we wondered, have to see it. Well, it's one of, I did one of those things where when I was doing a twofer, like you go to a theater and maybe you'll just, hey, I'm here. I'll see another movie. Uh Sometimes I'll just step into one a little bit to maybe see if it's worth watching. That's how I discovered the right. heat, for instance. Uh, you watch it, and if there's like you're like, oh, this is cool, and then you leave, and then you'll you'll see it for real. Uh, I went into Blair Witch and maybe watched ten minutes of it and was convinced I don't I don't need to bother. Really? <laughs> it's, it's just terrible found footage with it. it's found footage with teenagers. I've heard it's the same plot. Yeah, I mean, what I saw was that they're, they're, but they're annoying. Like, I loved the three actors in Blair Witch. Yeah, the, none of these kids. Maybe it's just because I missed the part where he establishes how we're supposed, why we're supposed to care about him. But there, and there was like, it was, it looked like the cast of any old slasher movie. Uh, so at any rate, I left. I did not decide to stay and watch, and I did not decide. Yeah, I should see this. But sometimes that pays off. That's how I discovered Last Exorcism because I wanted ah, something right, else that we right. had to see. Yeah, and it was like, oh. Which was doing this now. Yep, and you got a little Ashley Bell. I think the other one was Devil or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one, yeah. You didn't, you didn't yeah. Went, Wait, it's two Devil movies and I'm seeing this one? No, uh, right. made eight million bucks. Yeah, I know. Ugh. No one, I mean, all right. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't, well. So that means no one's listening to us right now. Cause, well, they're listening for a synopsis of it, though. <laughs> they may not care about the movie, but they want to hear, Kelly Wan, your synopsis of Oliver Stone's Snowden. Uh, okay. Or, as I'm sure it's called, the Snopsis. Oh, that's fine, I guess. Okay. That's better than what I probably have. You know what else is fine, Kelly Wan? Diora Baird. Oh, God, she's fine. I can't believe Dingus kept bringing her up. I miss her. What's she doing today? I don't know. <laughs> oh, today. I don't know. It's been too long since I gave her a ring. You know what I mean? All right. Snowdopsis. Some words are all. The following is based on stuff Oliver Stone thinks happened between 2004 and 2013. <laughs> Melissa Leo's waiting in an airport scene with Mr. Spock. <laughs> Already. <laughs> this one's kind of stripped down. <laughs> Wait, is that from Star Wars or Star Trek? See? Neither. Wait, that's not an option. Spock's all, are we sure today's Thursday? Suddenly a Rubik's Cube creeps up on them. Luckily, it's only Snowden. He takes them to a hotel room in Hong Kong and goes, can I have your cell phones? They give him their phones. He puts them in a microwave. Spock's all, I'm not that hungry, I'll just have a flash drive. He smiles. No one laughs. Spock's all, so what did you do while you did? Who am I? How much background about you do I already know? Melissa Leo rolls her eyes and goes, Joseph Gordon, let's just start with your name. The flashback should do the rest. Snowden's all, my name and this is Joseph Gordon Snowden. I was 
in Bird on a Wire last year with a French accent, so this should butch me up. Also, and this is for Kelly, I'm not Miles Teller, and this isn't War Dogs, and Snowden's not the WikiLeaks guy. Some words are all Snowdopsis. Miles Teller's young, so he's wearing glasses and has the same haircut. He's trying to start a career at Fort Knox as an army instructor. He gets tangled up in some barbed wire and serves his baseball practice for the graduates while a black guy yells at him, You call this an obstacle course, son? That night, Snowden's in bed going, Man, I nailed that Thunderdome this morning. USA. Off screen, the black guy's all, Hey, kids, come in here. My computer keeps freezing up. Everybody gets out of bed. As Snowden jumps down, he's all, Yep, I feel like I could take on Saddam Hussein all by my... Wait, this is the beginning of CSI Miami. Tom's eating cookies, so I can't hear if he's laughing or not. No, I'm not. You don't know. Oh. In a hospital, a doctor's all... Yeah, so according to this x-ray, if you ever carry anything heavier than a Rubik's Cube ever again, you'll die. So be extra careful with Rubik's Revenge. Snowden's all... What about psychologically? As the doctor starts to answer, Oliver Stone dissolves to Snowden on a date with Age of Adeline. She's Italian. He takes her to a parking lot to watch her lick an ice cream cone. She's all... So how do we meet? He's all... My favorite author's Ayn Rand. She's all... What do you do for a living? I'm pretty particular. He's all, what I do is classified, but I can tell you I fell out of bed once. <laughs> She's all, come stand outside the door of my spinning class tomorrow and watch me be Italian. <laughs> He's all, my side's right. The next day, he blows off seeing her to have an interview <laughs> at the CIA. A white person behind a desk is all, okay, Mr. Snowden, what's your favorite holiday? 9-11. Correct. And what's the <laughs> awesomest country in the world? Earth. Although I've heard good things about Luxembourg. His EKG readings catch fire. A doctor with a clipboard's all. He's telling the truth about 9-11. Wait, I meant Naboo, but not in the prequels, obviously. <laughs> Star Trek. The doctor's all. Hang on, now this thing's saying I'm lying. The next day, the wacky buffoon in gray underwear from Notting Hill's the head of the CIA. He looks out at a classroom full of nerds, erases the words please save from the blackboard, and goes, Today you will all make a batch file for boot disk. Delete it, change the jumper settings on my audio card, use my grandmother's ashes to blow glass into a monitor screen, and assassinate a bishop in Crusader Kings 2, all before this clock on the wall falls on my head. Done! Now what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Notting Hill checks Snowden's work using his T-square, then goes, whatever you want. Snowden's all, sweet, and spends the rest of the day staring at the second hand on the clock. Due to his success at Notting Hill class, Snowden gets a job working for Nicolas Cage in a basement. On Snowden's first day, Cage smokes a cigarette at him and goes, Yeah, after Sorcerer's Apprentice and Season of the Witch, they keep me down here now. <laughs> I lean over to James Woods sitting beside me and go... Hey, I'm reading a book about witches called Banquet for the Damned. I should finish it conventionally. <laughs> he says something manic, so I tune him out. Snowden makes a Hispanic friend at work who shows him what Facebook is. To celebrate, he gets promoted to working for Timothy Oliphant's Squint. <laughs> that night, they take a Saudi Arabian grandpa to a strip club to trick him into falling asleep outside. While strippers listen attentively off-screen, the grandpa's all, Ah, Snowden, my life's been quite topsy-turvy since I met you. My daughter-in-law says every time she emails her dentist something on Facebook, the CIA arrests her. Ha, 
You Americans at the NSA are the only people I and my Muslim friends can trust. <laughs> I'll eat that's all. What are friends for? Seriously, who needs them? When they walk outside, the grandpa <laughs> dies. <laughs> Can we redo the craziest podcast now? <laughs> Nice timing, Kelly Wand. Oh, Jesus. Wow. What just happened? Is he gone? I show him still there. Yeah, me too. I think it's, I think it's the NSA. Oh, that's right. He must have turned on his camera. Yep. Actually, yeah, I, sh- I still show him on. Yeah, still show you on. We'll give him a minute. Kelly, one type at us if you're there. I heard you sniff just then. Are, are you doing cocaine? Talking to me or Kelly Wand? You. Hello. Oh, look at There he is. Jeez, Kelly Wand, what the hell? Why you screw up the uh, Jesus. What What's the last thing? There? What happened? Well, they walk outside, the grandpa dies. You got yeah. to that part, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Wait, hold on. You just did your excellent Timothy Oliphant impersonation. Uh, so, Kelly Wand. Well, uh. Count the uh, silently count down five and then start. So I have a little bit of silence to cut in there. So whenever you're ready. All right. Those cookies sound great. Okay. You're making it hard for them to go down because you're making me laugh, jerk. Ah. Mm, okay, I'm gonna count to five. Hang on, I need to concentrate. It's not cookies. It's actually chewing tobacco. <laughs> and he spits them out. The cookies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. Uh, Oliphant takes a picture of the nearby wall and goes, Sweet, I just got promoted. Snowden's all, Boring an old man isn't what I signed on for. Oliphant's all, Look, kid, whose side are you on? The modern battlefield isn't everywhere. It's the only one. Conscious is just a word. What happened to the American dream? It came true. He walks off. In the hotel room, Snowden looks at Melissa Leo and goes, That was the night I realized that bureaucracy is overrated. Melissa Leo sighs and looks at her cameraman. Maybe we should start rolling. One night, Snowden loses interest in making pasta. The next day, the doctors all... <laughs> yeah, I warned you not to mess with Rubik's Revenge. Snowden's all... It wasn't Rubik's Revenge, it was angel hair for telly. My glasses were so steamed up, I barely survived the drive over here. The doctor smiles and goes, Who's the doctor around here? Since pasta preparation's too dangerous, Snowden takes up hunting. One day, he's out shooting butterflies in a swamp with Notting Hill. One flutters around some nearby trees. Snowden shoots the tree as it topples over to crush his car, nodding hills all. By the way, I received your resignation letter and have therefore promoted you to our Hawaiian anti-Chinese hacking youth group. You leave it dawn. 
<laughs> Some jocks come up to them, hooting and fist bumping their rifles. One's all, bro, that duck whistle's wicked. Uh, this is just how I talk. The blonder jocks all. Speaking of which, really digging that new spam of yours, Snowden. I can't wait to show my grandma how to uninstall her will. Lates. Snowden scout nodding hill disillusionedly. Eventually, he's all. Bogus journey was only meant to be used as a backup device manager. Nodding hills all. Sacrifices were necessary. Never question my authority in front of the ducks again. Whose side are you really on? In the hotel room, Snowden looks at near, near Melissa Leo and goes, That was the moment I realized that not everything done in the name of patriotism is intelligent. So I went to Hawaii and kept doing it. That's the problem with writing. Never mind. <laughs> that was the moment I realized that not everything done in the name of patriotism is intelligent. So I went to Hawaii and kept doing it. Melissa Leo looks over to cameraman again and goes, Okay, turn the camera on. I thought we were a newspaper. Spock's all, damn you both to hell. This story's so big it could change the way we think about the word data. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek or Star I was going to say data, but then Star Trek. <laughs> Snowden's all. When I got to Hawaii, things were scenic, except for the following scenes. Snowden walks down a crowded tunnel until he suddenly sees the Hispanic guy passing him in the opposite direction while everybody else around him ignores them and says nothing. Snowden's all. Hey, you taught me what Facebook is back in that other scene. I thought you were dead in the TIE fighter, but then I found your jacket, so I thought a monster in the desert ate you. <laughs> Wait, what? Wow. Wow. That is awesome. <laughs> it's the same shot. Tom's favorite Star Wars movie. Out of seven, Tom's favorite. Because <laughs> Poe Dameron's Hispanic. So it's obviously the That was... Kelly, one that was Cadgar from Warcraft. I hope you realized. Yeah, it was. Star Trek. What? It was the little wizard kid who was in the Warcraft movie. Yeah. Cadgar. Oh, so he was super Hispanic. Right. <laughs> it's a similar role because he's magic. That's true. Magic boy. The Hispanic guy starts to answer, so Snowden walks into a computer cave with Scott Eastwood and his black friend in it, watching some aerial desert footage of a missile blowing up a guy in a limo. Eastwood's all, nice! (laughs) (laughs) We will have more about that later, by the way. Oh, hey, you must be Snowden. Check it out. We just used your cell phone spam bogus journey to blow up a car. Take that, Democrats. The black guy's all, uh, we work for the Obama administration. Eastwood rolls his eyes and goes, the point is we're finally winning the war on drugs. The black guy's all, terror? Eastwood rolls his eyes again and goes, anyway, those lowlights can use their chicken shit IEDs all they want, but we got drones and phones. Snowden's all, how do you know there was anyone in the car? The black guy's all, well, we don't. Eastwood rolls his eyes and goes, come on, Snowden, let me show you your keyboard. Top of the line. See if you got an extra Windows key. And the mouse pad shaped like an American flag. In the hotel room, Snowden looks at Melissa Leo and goes, but it wasn't. 
the next day, Notting Hill summoned Stone to come into his TV screen room and be looked at by it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wrote it. It's fucking stupid. Notting Hill's all, thanks for standing there, Snowden. I hope the size of my image here isn't menacing or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Work for me. Is my cautionary hugeness reminding you of Johnny Depp's eating noises and transcendence at all? (laughs) Remember when he was pretending to be AI and the the kids pretended to eat? Haley, Joel? Uh, program giant face, sir, was only meant to be used on haunted house rides. Look, Snowden, I know you're upset at those birds we shot. But don't worry, your girlfriend's not sleeping with the photographer. Just her Pilates student. And me. That would be all. Another wall turns into Scott Eastwood's face going, Nice! Then he rolls his eyes. Snowden goes home, kicks Shailene Woodley awake, and raises a sheet of paper in her face. She yawns, squints at it, and says, Dear Shailene, don't read this aloud. I think our house is bugged. (laughs) He rolls his eyes and puts his finger next to his lips. She's all, sounds like? One syllable. He simulates slicing his throat. She's all, you want to cut my head off? She shrugs and displays her neck. Okay. He pinches his lips and simulates throwing away a key. She's all, um, you want to throw away my lips? You, you, you want to build a teepee out of yogurt? Your brain's itchy. Eventually he gives up, takes his Rubik's Cube and goes back to work. To show his bosses are about, <laughs> can't do it anymore. It's too stupid. I mean, to show that his bosses are morally bankrupt, he steals their Rubik's Cube and then walks out past some guards. As usual, black guards are insatiably fascinated by Rubik's Cubes. Snowden's Argo trick works. Damn! Different colors and shit. (laughs) That's not racist. Two years later, Wick Martindale gets on a stage and goes, Ladies and gentlemen, Snowden! As the audience claps politely, a RoboCop with Snowden's face putters on stage, picking up cigarette butts along the way. On the robot's head, Snowden's face is all, Yeah, everybody, thank you. For legal reasons, I had my brain transferred into this robot body. The Notting Hill guy's TV screen wall inspired me, but I disagree with his other choices. Can someone scratch my nuts? Seriously. The crowd claps and cheers as he putters off stage and the curtain falls. Some words on screen are all, Shailene Woodley's Italian character moved to Moscow to live with Snowden. She says she's never felt more alone. The end. Uh, where's the Italian thing come from? Yeah, what are you talking about? She has dark hair in it, so she's Italian. <laughs> she's isn't she an Italian New Yorker? Isn't that her accent in this? I didn't. I didn't hear it. No, there's no Italian accent. I've been away from America for a while, so maybe I'm just extra conscious of these things, and you guys are just less perceptive. Could be right, definitely. Yeah. Or I'm just stupider. That's another theory we should explore. Star Trek. Wait, but first, who can defend this this Oliver Stone uh, polemic? Hmm. Yeah, I can't defend it, but I think all biopics are stupid. So it's like you're watching someone looking ridiculous trying to resemble someone. So it's dumb. That's the same reason comic book movies are stupid. So they're just trying to resemble something that doesn't work in a 
I don't. I, I mean, don't, they didn't like make him up or anything. It was clearly Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right. and he, he dropped his voice to register, and I thought that was kind of cool. No, um, I know. When I watch these things, I always go, I should just watch a documentary about the real guy. Which there is such a thing. Dingus, did you get to watch Citizen Four? Yes, I did. And uh, watching it, I don't understand what the fuck he's doing with his voice. Honestly, the voice in this movie reminded me of Kelly Wan's Alicia Vikander voice. <laughs> Oh. Well, now that you put it that way, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, I actually like this movie. So I, I <laughs> oh, will, Dingus is going to defend it. Okay. I will defend it. I, I hate you know. it. There, there's plenty I hate about it, but there's plenty I really liked about it. So, yeah, I'll, I'll defend it. Well, uh, tell me how it – because this made me want to watch Citizen Four. Now, I don't normally watch documentaries because I prefer to spend my time watching movies. Um, is that something I should follow through with? I mean I guess – how does this compare to Citizen Four? I think you should watch Citizen Four because uh, I think it's much more compelling, and this is something that, um, again, uh, you know, the one person who wrote in this week is Chris Markinson, um, and one of the things that we're he the eight million is that is that he kind of wished they just would have stayed in the hotel room. Basically, uh, I think he didn't need any of the other stuff. Um, you know, it's like an Oma Lisa. Uh, no, when when Markinson says that, it makes me think of another. When, and when you say you hate biopics, uh, it's like what Danny Boyle did with uh, with Job, or no, Aaron Sorkin and Danny Boyle. Steve Jobs, 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 Job. Yeah. I'm Whoa, what? It's like he 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 wanted to Jobs? tell a story about a man, and he contrived a story about it. Like he made it like a play. Right. Uh, Markinson saying, "Yeah, just stay in the hotel." Reminded me of that of what what yeah. what. Sorkin and Boyle did with Steve Jobs. Jobs, right. that guy. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things we liked about that was the was the idea of the three act yep. play kind of thing. Uh, this, I, I mean, I did kind of appreciate how early on uh, this movie felt like a thriller, and that it was structured like a thriller, um, and it was even you know time shifted like uh, you know a little bit like. I wouldn't say Pulp Fiction, but, you know, a, a movie where, where this happens, then we're going to jump back in time, we're going to jump back here. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's difficult to do that with a, uh, without a bunch of title cards. Um, but I did like the, the feeling of the thriller in much of it. Um, but I understand what Chris is saying and what you're saying too, Tom, about that whole idea of, like, mainly what is important is what's going on in the hotel room, and that's why Citizen Four works so well, is that uh, it's kind of stunning to uh, sit there and realize that, um, oh goodness, her name is Laura Poitras, uh, is is standing there in the room with this guy. And oh, is that what Citizen Four is? It's her movie. Yeah, it's her movie. Oh, I didn't even know. Now I really want to see it. Okay. Yeah, this, uh, it's the it's the Melissa Leo character. It's her movie. It's the movie that she made. Why aren't we doing the podcast on that? We probably should, uh, because it's it's actually quite stunning to sit there and watch, um, and actually a little bit chilling, um, uh, but also uh, endearing and charming to watch him sitting there with Glenn Greenwald and uh, uh, Ewan McCaskill and kind of explaining like the ins and outs of oh don't worry about this but you, know, you should worry about that and and you know. That whole like draping his draping that thing over his head, um, you know that, and I think he calls it his magic something or other, where he puts it over his head to hide what he's doing with his passwords. I mean, there's so much of this that really works uh, in this particular movie, but in Citizen Four, um, it feels 
just real. Because well, it <laughs> uh, is, yeah. I didn't, because, I didn't, because it's yeah. real. You're watching yeah. him do it. And it's so weird to be sitting there in this hotel room and knowing that, that this filmmaker and she, the movie begins with her saying uh, that she had done two other movies that put her on these watch lists. And she considers this basically the third in her trilogy, kind of about what the government is doing. Um, the others were about, I think, starting the Iraq War. Uh, uh, but it's it's fascinating. You don't really see her at all because she's just running the movie and watching Edward Snowden in in the hotel room and watching him react emotionally when he has to deal with things that are going on back home that we don't get to cut to. Uh, this movie allows us to cut to those. It allows us to have the Shailene Woodley scenes, the um, the Lindsay Mills, I think is her name, scenes. Um, uh, but I do appreciate the way that the, that this movie uh, evolves that into a thriller. Uh, what I don't appreciate are the ways that uh, Oliver Stone can't help himself from preaching at us um, and making things uh, a little ridiculous at times. And that, that's what bothers me about the movie is that I, I feel um, it's important to distinguish between people like Snowden and people like Julian Assange, who's a trashy bomb thrower. Uh, and, and I think for a lot of people, there's, oh, yeah, those are guys who leak information. And they're not. There's a very it's, – it's, I, I feel that it, Oliver Stone could do a service by showing people uh, how different Snowden is. But like you said, Dingus, I don't think it's – I don't mind Oliver Stone being preachy so much as I mind him being messy. And what mm. my problem is with Oliver Stone's telling of this story is he's conflating so many issues here, whether it's intel gathering, cybersecurity, drone strikes, countries spying on each other, like international espionage, which is a thing. It should be a thing. It is a thing. Uh, the difference between security and privacy, what to do with metadata, Nuremberg, uh, it all becomes this indignant slurry. Uh, and, and that – and, and That's it, a good it, word. Yeah. It, and it reminds me of what like Michael Moore tries to do, but Michael Moore is entertaining about it. Like Michael Moore's indignant slurries are well crafted and well put together. And even if the guy annoys you, you know, he, he has like this, this structure about the healthcare thing he did where they go to Cuba and they get healthcare in Cuba. I mean it's kind of making a ridiculous point, but it's entertaining to watch that. He packages it really well. Whereas Oliver Stone takes what is a, an important story about domestic surveillance. That's what Snowden did, is he revealed information about the government's abuse of post-9-11 freaking out, uh, spying on our own citizens. Spying on us. Yeah, all this nonsense about, you know, yo, there's metadata in there, and we're trawling the whole world, and drone strikes, and, uh, you know, why would we ever spy on Austria? You know, those little bits, those montages, like... It, that stuff just drives me crazy, and I just wish you would be more precise so that we know why Snowden is different from Assange. You know, why, what sets Snowden apart from like Bradley Manning? Uh, this is an important thing to be told, and Oliver Stone just messes it up by you know, being indignant and throwing everything into the pot. Uh, and where it really lost me, you know, where I was like, screw you, Oliver Stone, where he does that cute little bit. And this is where it's, it's, it's Oliver Stone basically peeking his head onto the screen. He does this cute little beat after pointing out that we spied on Austria, and he shows a cow, right. and then there's a pause. Like we're supposed to appreciate the absurdity of spying on a country that is nothing but cows. And 
that's not that. That's just that to me shows that he has no concept of what it's important that we spy on Austria. There's nothing wrong with spying on Austria. Uh, when you consider that the 9-11 hijackers for three years were in Hamburg, which is where Kelly Wand is, it's important. You know, we there just are reasons. Well, there, Kelly Wand. Yeah, there, there are reasons that we do spy on other countries, and it's not because we're stupid and we think that we want to know what's going on where there are cows. Uh, so I, at any rate, I just feel it's way too important a topic for Stone to just make so messy. And I just resent. And one that of those is, it. I think, like I don't know if is is I don't know if it's illegal to spy on other countries. It's not. I mean, that's the thing. And he play, paints this whole thing about like in invoking the Nuremberg trials, for instance. Yeah. It's not illegal to spy on other countries. Uh, Everybody's doing it. And in, in fact, it was not illegal to spy on. Well, this is arguable. It, it could have been unconstitutional. But the government, the whole point of FISA. That's another thing. FISA has been around. FISA was a reaction to Richard Nixon. To his abuses of executive office, of his access to law agencies, uh, his abuses within the executive branch, we then created FISA, this foreign intelligence uh, – shoot, I forget what it stands for. Um, but basically it's a, a judicial body. Surveillance agency. Uh, it's a surveillance act, right, and then it, it creates this judicial body to basically let us spy on people in the country. You know, what Nixon did, which he shouldn't have been doing, FISA was created to give the government, if that ever needs to happen, if we need the FBI to, you know, break the Democratic Party or something, there is a provision, and that's what FISA is about. Oliver Stone makes it look as if FISA is uh, just some some abusive, uh, underhanded thing that the government does. Now, it's it morphed a lot after 9-11. Um, but it's it's not some secret court, you know. It's 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 a it's it's oversight itself. It is the oversight that it sort of wriggled out from under. Uh, you know, at one point that the character uh, Ben Schnitzer, I forget his name, Schnitzer. The, Schnitzer, his character says, "Yeah, FISA is just a rubber stamp," and that yeah. was happening for a while. Um, you know, FISA was just used. There was no oversight on the the you know FISA was just this little tiny body of people that was just rubber stamping this stuff. Um, Right. And it's important that Snowden let us know that that was happening. Uh, Something else that was – You can't just gloss over that, though, that that FISA was acting as a rubber stamp under that administration. Right, right. And and I, I think that, that – and, that, and that's why Oliver Stone, he should he's deluding his point by bringing in all this crap about drone strikes and stuff, which – Right. That's an it's issue, different. sure. Okay. Yeah, it's different. You know, the, the government spying on its citizens <clears throat> for what I think are legitimate – like – 9-11 caused the government to freak out and blow a fuse, and we did as, as a nation. Um, and part of that was the, the Bush administration. They, they're the one, you know, they screwed it up. They handed a victory to Al Qaeda by freaking out after 9-11 and putting us through all these, what I feel are constitutional abuses, um, as, as far as domestic surveillance goes and as far as intelligence gathering and torture and all that stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I do think it's important and, uh, just but one of the things that this movie is um, is forcing us to have to look at, or that Oliver, Oliver Stone is having us look at, is that um, what triggers him is the fact that it didn't change under Obama. Because there's that there's that little key moment where uh, you know I hope he wins uh, or he has to 
Um, or he's going to win. He has to that moment at, at the election night when Obama wins and then things don't change for him. And that's what triggers him to say, OK, well, then I'm going to go forward with this because things haven't changed under Obama. And that's, I think, what Oliver Stone is trying to put forth here, which again, Oliver Stone, again, he, he says at one point uh, it was the promise that got Obama elected. And that right. is not true. That, that is, is not true. true. That yeah. is definitely not true. And it's also right. not true that Obama hasn't that. So Obama in office has disappointed a lot of people who thought he would dismantle the Patriot Act, shut down Guantanamo Bay willy-nilly, and he's doing things by process, and it's not happening quickly. It is a process, and it's not something that he was going to do overnight, and it's not something that he's going to tidy up by the time his administration is over. Uh, And I, you know, Oliver Stone makes it sound like Obama was just a continuation of the Bush administration, and he was not. That's a childish way of looking at it, I think. Yeah. Like, like daddy's going to come in and make everything fine. Well, well, you know, we, we got adults in the White House, and that's great, but it takes a lot of time to make things move in government. It's like a huge ship that you have to change the course. And he's changed the course a lot of ways, but putting it, coloring it in those ways, that why didn't daddy change everything immediately is, is, is puerile, I think. Well, and it's also like Obama has... Uh, I don't mean to get too partisan, but one of the reasons he hasn't shut down Guantanamo is because of Republican instructionism. Uh, he, he's, yeah. he's gotten plenty of people out of there, but there, the Republicans have actively opposed him, and that's part of his dealing with the Patriot Act and, and what that has done to FISA, all these extra provisions that were lumped under FISA. Um, so, it, yeah, Oliver Stone just refusing to acknowledge this is, this is fallout of the Bush administration screwing up and blowing a fuse after 9-11 and just freaking out. Uh, and Obama can only have cleaned up so much of it, uh, but he deserves credit for what has been cleaned up. Uh, well, and what was his his take on Snowden? Isn't really in the movie, like because I remember him coming down on Snowden when it happened. But the do, thing is, the they movie do point out that he calls Snowden a, a hacker, which you know right. Julian Assange was a hacker. I mean that guy's a Yahoo. Right. Snowden, like Bradley Manning, was, was a a guy who, based on his principles, broke the law and is accepting the consequences. But his job was hacking too. Uh, right, but Julian Assange well, yeah, was just yeah. like a private, was just some right. Australian but Yahoo. For just, me, like the thing that really disappoints me about this movie is in the sloppiness quotient too. Is like I don't know what Snowden's really doing, and I don't know what he took from that facility. Like there's there's scenes that are really um, bombastic in Salvador, but it's like. I mean, it doesn't say in the movie, but it's like in, in Salvador, James Woods is like arguing with that general. Oh, that's stuff. your James Woods reference. I was wondering. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because I like that movie. Like, if just like pound me and and, and enrage me. But and that's what I was hoping. Like, so. Yeah. But instead, it's like, it's like, it's, I hate movies where it's like you're waiting for the bar to go up when a file's uploading and that's suspenseful. And then he's like, oh, they're going to come in the room. Oh, he's going to step on it with his shoe. Like, all right, Argo. Yeah. Because yeah. the thing but, is, it's not as tight a thriller as Argo. It has not, Argo earned the right to have a little goofy finale like yeah. that. Yeah. And I hate, I resent as a computer user the idea that watching that bar go up, it's supposed to be suspenseful to me. Like, I hate watching that fucking Well, you know, thing. he blew it for me when, uh, you know, I use computers when I drag select several folders over to another file. It doesn't explode in a bunch of dialogues. Yeah. <laughs> right. Was, it was yeah. like confetti on the screen. I was like, good lord. Yeah. That's how Oliver it. Stone thinks computers work. Right. Chris Markinson is totally with you on that, though. Um, that whole, like, okay, th- these are the download rates for all of these different <laughs> files as if he's bit torrenting all of them. 
Yeah. Um, I really actually loved that Chris wrote that in uh, because uh, I thought that I thought that that did act a, add a bit of suspense to it, but it is silly if you know how computers work. Yeah, yeah. And who doesn't? Who hasn't? I mean, at this point, like I understand when you're having Unix code on screen, whatever, do whatever you're gonna do. <laughs> Most people don't know yeah. Unix, uh, but everybody's drag selected a file from like, people who use Macs. Do that for Pete's sake. That's not what it it reminds me of when. Um... Carl Sagan was upset when in contact because Jodie Foster's wearing headphones throughout it. And he's like, she wouldn't, you don't wear headphones if you're like a radio astronomer. And then Zemeckis is like, well, yeah, but it'll make little girls want to become astronomers because they get to wear headphones. And he's like, Ugh. see, I didn't know that about contact. So it didn't, I didn't even catch that when I watched contact. Got to make it more cinematic headphones. She wears the headphones and then sits on the satellite dish. She can hear the aliens better. Well, let's talk about the cast here. Um, uh, Kelly Wan, that's crazy. Okay, well, let's go to Shailene Woodley. Um, I am so sick of poor Shailene Woodley being paired. At least Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a good actor, by the way. Um, But I'm so sick of her being paired with people where she just is the supportive wife or the the enamored girlfriend or – you know, when she showed up, I was like, yeah, sweet. And when, when they were creating this idea that there was going to be some little some political friction between them, and nothing came of it. She just kind of faded into the background in the supportive wife who's going to have the contrived dramatic moment with them where she's upset, and then they get back together. And I don't, I don't even know why that was in there. Because uh, uh, I, I also, I, I you know, from Spectacular Now, where we've come around a bit on Miles Teller, but where he is such a putz in that movie – and she's supposed to be so into him. I just right. watched – Dingus, did you see Fault in Our Stars? Yeah. <laughs> that kid in Fault in Our Stars I – don't, I don't normally say this because I think it's a, it's a mean thing to say. And I wanted to slap that guy. Yep. That guy was so smarmy. Like I actively – not just the, the character but the actor. I was like, what the hell? Who cast this guy? Quit your job. You know, Find a different line of work, whoever cast this guy. It was wretched. It was so painful watching her trying to be in love with this total smarmy jerk who would be the kind of guy who would play like the, the asshole frat boy. And he's playing like the, the really cool hip boyfriend. Oh, it was terrible. So I was just so disappointed that yet again, poor little Shailene Woodley just stuck with a dude who I didn't feel was worth her. Uh, so I was really disappointed they didn't do more with her in this. Plain supportive wives, that's just such a thankless role. That's the thing, though, in a biopic, if that's what happened. Yeah, it's like Jennifer Connelly. So what are you going to do then? Choose a, right. an actress you're not as interested in. I what are you going to do? It's still I mean, she's really, uh, she's really good. Uh, they give her some things to do, but this is, this is the story they're telling. The movie's called Snowden. I mean, are you just going to. I mean, I, I'm that's not trying to talk you down, Tom. I, I would yeah. rather see a movie about. Uh, a Shailene Woodley character, um, but in, if she's going to play a character in this, I think she does a heck of a job. If you're going to make a movie about Snowden's relationship to his wife, that's great. I would have loved to have seen that. If you're going to make a biopic about Snowden and throw in what I feel were little obligatory nods to his family life <coughs> – I don't even know if they were married uh, – to his, his love life. Yeah, I think uh, they're just partners. Yeah, it just, it just felt really lackluster to me. It just felt yeah. like obligatory biopic drama insert into assigned space. She um, wasn't very fleshed out if she's going to be a character in the movie. And especially considering the way – and it was mainly a matter of being disappointed in how they inter- introduced her. Like there was going to be some tension where she felt very differently from from him, mm. uh, and they, I don't feel they really played that up much. Um, I do, however – well, yeah. 
So okay. you do have a right. Well, I, I just I loved seeing her the full head of hair, and I I I certainly perked up when she said something about do you think my boobs are a matter of national security? I think they're. Very, I agree that they are. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> you know, I really really liked the the scene between the two of them, and I think that it takes a decent actress to be able to do this. And I and, and this is why I'm. I think that she does a great job in this movie, and I think that, uh, you know, the movie's called Snowden. You're not going to be able to have the movie called Snowden with her being the main character. Um, but the, but that scene where where he's back home and he's saying, you know, I snooped on your computer and I found out that you've been looking on, you know, geekchat.com or whatever that is and looking up other guys. And, and she does that whole that whole thing that where you uh, uh you know assure your partner look you know i want you i want you i'm doing this because you're never home uh i'm looking at these other people's lives i'm getting a i'm getting some sort of feeling about uh being a part of the life but i'm still connected to you and i'm faithful to you uh, i love the way she played that i thought that was really valuable um i, I mean you can't have I don't know if you want a, a lesser actress playing that, but I mean, I think she's great in this part, and I think it's fine that she's doing that. Yeah, I mean, I certainly would rather see a, a movie where she's the lead in it, but this is called Snowden. The problem with that, Dingus, is that it, I feel that that was just a one, two, three setup for the little bit where Risa Fons is like, oh, she's not cheating on you. Is they have an obligatory thing where they, they just insert two little bits about, oh, he's maybe skeptical about his wife's fidelity. And then we find out, yes, the, the, C, the NSA is on that for you. Like it was just that one little bit, the bit where he's watching her with some dude at a party. And then the payoff for that is supposed to be, yes, Risa Fons knows that's his weakness. Uh, it just felt mechanical and contrived to me, like them being mad and then getting back together. Uh, and it really is, Dingus, having just seen Fault in Our Stars, having remembered what she had to deal with in Spectacular Now, uh, I just really like her. She's She, she has yeah, an amazing I, look to her, uh, and I, I think I've decided I'm just going to have to see these Divergent movies. I think you're right about that. Cause, uh, are, is she going to get to go to Hawaii for a third time for the, the Divergent movie? <gasps> see, she was so cute in Hawaii. That's where we found her the first time. Yeah, That's right. remember her boyfriend in that? Descendants? Oh my god, who was it? He was like a putz, right? It's like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's always, yeah, get her away from all these putzes. Give her a decent <laughs> boyfriend, for Pete's sake. Uh, so, thing is here, my over um, is another movie. It's a biopic, and it's about whistleblowers. Uh, and uh, it, it's it's Michael Mann's uh, uh, The Insider with Russell Crowe, uh, and I remember the the scene that Russell Crowe has with Diane Venora. Like he's got a couple of scenes that establish his family life, uh, and I remember there's one scene between them where it shows that there's some tension and they're starting to have some friction between them. And um, she basically, I just remember it being so weird. Like they're having a fight and it's a domestic spat, and she gets mad at him for something that is not what he's doing. But it's that he's – she's mad about other things, and it's a great little bit of subtext. And what stood out for me, he, he's washing his hands in the kitchen sink, and she's like, don't wash your hands in the kitchen sink. I hate it when you do that. And it's because they're having to fight about something else, and it's just this great little genuine moment between Russell Crowe and, and Diane Venora Verona. Verona, I think is her last name. Uh, so Beautiful Mind is my over, and I, I Wait, feel it – Beautiful Mind is your over? No, no. Whoops, sorry. I was reading my under. Uh, wow. Insider. Because my under is another Russell Crowe biopic that I hated. 
And again, Jennifer Connelly, supportive wife, supportive wife, supportive wife. Like that's all she's yeah, doing there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry, my, my over is definitely is insider as a biopic starring Russell Crowe uh, as a whistleblower where it's it's a lot more about his family life, too, because that's more about what it does to his personal life. You know, there's a lot richer stuff to mine in Snowden about the political implications and the, the thriller aspect. Uh, so there's more room in the insider to create his domestic life. Uh, but that's my over and my under is Beautiful Mind, which is another biopic. Happens to also have Russell Crowe, which I just thought was terrible, and especially because it was about an important thing, uh, you know, m- mental disorders. Uh, so. Hmm. so Michael Mann, Oliver Stone – Ron Howard. Yeah, that, that's that also is kind of a. I would rank them that way as well. Yeah, over middle under. Sure. Hmm. Uh, what is Nick Cage doing in this movie? I, I kind of liked him. I kind of liked that part. It yeah, really I, felt it, so it, out of place, though. Like, uh, it was weird. The whole military contractor preaching bit. I I really wanted to. That, that that is one of those moments where you know I'm kind of going along with you, Oliver Stone. I like the way you're structuring this as a thriller. I like the music. I like the editing so far. And then you're going to have this. You're going to drop this military contractor preaching crap in with Nicolas Cage. Right, Nicolas Cage is a hacker. It, that that's what made me like it. it. I sort of perked up. Like, well, well Nicolas Cage is going to talk about computers. He <laughs> drags Nick Cage in from that. that you know, this was this. the. Towers movie that he did. Oh, that's right. Susie fell uh, down a well 9 11 thing. That's right. I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. What was that one called, Dingus? I think WTF. it was called World Trade. WTC. Was it called just called World Trade? Either World that, Trade Center. Something like that. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're right. You don't just, you, no one doesn't say center. I forgot that was Oliver Stone as well. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that's the one where at the very end, Michael Shannon is like, well, I'm going to go join the Marines and invade Iraq. Oh, yeah, forgot about that it. one's like a play too because they're under rubble for most of the movie. So you're like watching guys in the dark. Go, you could oh, do that. In the that could definitely be a stage play. That's how you felt watching it. <laughs> well, way, that I... was like. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Well, that was like the DreamWorks version to the Bugs Life Pixar that was you know in '93 <laughs> when the 9/11 movies came out. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I really like that Ben <sighs> that Ben Schnitzer guy. Oh, I do too. I do too. I'm I'm super psyched to see. Uh, so there's a Kelly Wand. Have you seen a movie called? Uh, you of all people should have seen this. A movie called King Kelly. No, I don't see movies named after me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, do someone do a biopic. There's a, there's an actress I really really like named Louisa Krauss, and I discovered her in this. And it's about a a a, a webcam porn star chick, and she's like I'm super listening. preoccupied with herself. It's one of those movies that all takes place in one night. Uh, and it's found footage. It's like her found footage. It's her webcam. And Louisa Krauss is so annoying in it. And it was only after I saw her in other movies that I realized, wow, she's a good actress. Um, but the guy who did King Kelly is a director named Andrew Neal. Uh, he just released a movie called Goat, which is about hazing. And I remember when we saw uh, 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 something something saucy. Yeah, everybody wants some. Uh, and saucy. Dingus' observation that he was uncomfortable with how they treated each other, uh, that made me think of Goat, which is a, a, supposed to be – I haven't seen it yet. Uh, a, a sort of a, a scary movie about the implications of hazing in a worst case scenario, yeah. and Ben Schnitzer's the lead in it. Um, so I really, I, I did like him a lot in this. It made me want to look up what else he's going to do, and he's in this thing called Goat that I'm super psyched to see. Uh, but yeah, I really liked him as well. Dingus, did you recognize him during the movie as the kid in Warcraft? No, not at all. I just liked him. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was. Uh 
really casual and real, and uh, I loved all. I love. I loved his dialogue too. Actually, all that that Snow White stuff I thought was funny. Um, I, I really liked him a lot. You know, who, who, he kind of reminded me of in terms of like the the presentation of this kind of character uh, and his the way he fit into the story. It's kind of like Josh Brolin in Sicario, as this <laughs> this dude bro laid back crack cia intel guy <laughs> like I, I really like that take on him. right yeah he's like come on in here well i don't have that kind of class yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you're gonna and they're in this this little tube that looks like a weird bunker i love that i really did like the production design of a lot of this movie um and i love that scene where he's like no what are you gonna see that you don't already know come on right. Right. You're going to see a couple of names. Come on in here. Yeah. And then when they meet again, I do, I do like the the way Kelly Wong characterized it. Um, but, but yeah, that guy, uh, Ben Schnitzer, I really like that guy a lot in this movie. And even his goodbye. Like, that was a great scene. Yeah. Like, uh, his goodbye yeah. and, and the, the, the scene, like, where you know his black friend's covering for him. I, I like the relationship between them. Like, that was – yeah. Yeah. I like that bit of the movie. So that's the weird thing is I cared more about their relationship than I did his with Shailene Woodley. Uh, oh, that's a good point, actually. Well, but I think that's sort of part of the idea of it, that he's away from home so much. He's right, got to right. be forcing this relationship with the other people. Right. Yeah. Well, it was, cool to- oh, the other thing, I hated that ASL stuff. I mean, it was, it was so obvious. Oh, why? When they, because when they introduced the, oh, I know some uh, American Sign Language. Let me do a couple of rudimentary, like, spelling out of words. And then I knew, okay... Later on, that's going to play into the plot. Okay, and then the ASL comes back in later on. It's just silly. You know, I I like it when I see uh, sign language movies, but in this particular movie, I was just, okay, this is going to figure in later on. Uh, What drove me crazy? Uh, Women with long hair wearing those knit stocking caps, they look like hobos. She shouldn't have worn that red knit stocking cap for so long. I was like, take that off your head, Shailene. <laughs> I kind of like them. You like women uh, looking I, like hobos. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, that means their bar's low, so that's good news for me. Uh, so how do we feel about the underlying issue? So this is something that Chris Parkinson brought, brings up because uh, he has a hard time looking at the movie without thinking about the underlying issue. Mm-hmm. So how do we think about – how do we feel about that whole uh, – the whole idea about – the NSA surveillance of us in everything we do. Uh, I, uh, well, well, I'll go first. I'm probably yeah, go ahead. Most, I'm the most conservative among us. I would, I would wager. Uh, I don't have a problem with the idea. The problem is the implementation. Uh, I also have a problem in a way. I have more of a problem with the tech companies that rolled over for the NSA and participated. Uh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think Facebook, like Mark Zuckerberg. And Facebook particularly held out. They basically yeah. told the NSA to go pound sand. Um, <laughs> so I, I that you know that I'm more indignant about Verizon than I am the NSA because the NSA they should have checks and balances, and that was part of the freak out after 9/11. Is we realized, holy crap, we, our intelligence community failed us. We need to lift the lid and let them do what they need to do. And that was, I think, there is some course correction going on there. Um, so I am not as against domestic surveillance like i don't think domestic surveillance is a dirty thing like we have homegrown terrorists there's no one remember oklahoma city like there there are uh there there are reasons for us to spy on our own citizens uh so i guess that's my point is that it's not a bad thing uh it just has to have oversight 
um, but it still has to happen. Uh. So I don't. I don't. Wait, that, there. What about you guys? What What is your takeaway? Uh, uh, for me, uh, it goes back to, and this is something. It, it was interesting because I I didn't know that this was a thing until just a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, when I when I read this this thing uh, for, about uh, the FBI director James Comey making a remark about putting tape over the camera on your laptop right um and he you know him saying that i saw a bunch of other people doing this at this conference i was at and they're smarter people than i am so uh yeah i think you should put it you should put tape over the camera on your laptop um and the idea that that is actually being used and there's a scene in this movie where it's being used and where snowden recoils about it you know in the in the presence of uh, the character that we were just talking about. Um, I think that that's repulsive. I think, uh, or repugnant, I should say. Uh, I'll accept idea. That. <laughs> okay. Uh, the idea that um, that the government should be able to look into our private lives like that. They should. Uh, I don't, I, oh, sorry. No, I don't agree with that. I don't, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I would be very much against what you're saying. Um, well, the government has to demonstrate a reason to do it. Like, you wouldn't have any problem well, with uh, the FBI, with the DEA, for instance, spying on a drug dealer, would you? Uh, no, because as long as, as long as there are checks and balances involved. And there are. They would have to get a warrant to do that, and that's what FISA – Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, it's called that because – not that it's supposed to be used against foreigners. It's called that because part of what they – want to look out for are, are dom- people communicating with foreigners who intend to do us harm like, like domestic people our own citizens interacting with foreigners uh and this was passed in what mid 70s or whatever uh so it's not just it, there's no abuse there if the thing is if you if the government suspects you of assembling a dirty bomb they should be able to get a warrant and put their case their evidence before a judicial body and if right. the judicial body agrees and says yeah we think dingus is making a dirty bomb you can violate his his right to privacy so that you can find out for that that right there security versus privacy it is a trade off um so i my cat agrees with me uh so i well, so, so a, just this idea dingus you he's the, the government creator of cats <laughs> the government can if they and by the way that's silly this idea the movie sold the idea that even if a laptop is turned off, that they can look through the camera, which I don't buy. There's no power going to the camera. The, the modem isn't even on. Oh no! But, but even in Citizen Four, one of the thing, one of the cool things is that that you know a VoIP telephone that the hotel has. He's like, even if it seems like that, you know, nothing is happening with that phone, they can turn that on and listen to what, what's going on in the right. room. Right. But the mm-hmm. power has to be turned off to it. But you know. The, the idea that the government can turn on your your laptop c- camera without your knowledge is a thing. I mean, that's not fiction. Uh, I do think it, it shouldn't is. be allowed. I don't. To... I don't believe that the government can spy on me. So you to, think? Oh, you're saying they can turn it on? 
You're saying yeah, they, they could turn on the laptop? Oh, that I might believe, but I don't believe that a turned-off <laughs> laptop's camera. It's not like Jason Bourne where they can like, turn it on. They can we have a telephone it. in the room, and now we can see everything. I thought the movie was saying that even if your camera is turned off, even if the computer, I mean, is turned off, they can see you through the camera. I thought the movie was implying that. It, maybe that is true, oh, and I'm wrong, but I, well, I immediately thought, nobody, no, no way. Nobody actually turns off their computer. You know, if you if you don't actually right, I, right, right, right. I, I, I get what you're saying. Dick. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, if a computer's on sleep, sure, the idea that it can be remotely turned on, right? I mean, there, right. there is that that's intentional. Nobody not. ever does a shutdown on a on a on a Mac. I thought the movie said even if a computer is turned off, I thought that was the actual language about the computer. Right. Uh, so that. that's what I don't believe, and I also don't believe that the government should be disallowed from doing that. If you have a warrant, if there's sufficient cause to believe that someone should be under surveillance, every means that are available, go for it. You know, hack into their computer. Look at their email. Look at them on a computer that they don't realize is turned on or whatever, however that works. Um, then why are they persecuting but the, but the, but the problem is is the actual checks and balances where that is regarded. Uh-huh. So, uh, so the idea is – um, that you know the whole thing about the rubber stamp, or the whole thing of of the other the other uh, provisions that we're talking about, like oh this is something from World War One that we're just using, or this is just this is something that nobody even knows exists, mm-hmm. and we're just using that as a provision for doing things, and we don't really need a court to do that. We're just doing that, um, and we don't need. Uh, check. We don't need to have sufficient evidence. We don't need those things, and I totally disagree with that. I don't think the government should be able to surveil everything I'm doing. I believe in the right to privacy. Uh, you know, I'm not disagreeing with you idea. at all. I'm all not right. disagreeing with you at all. But I am saying, even though you find it repugnant or repulsive, there are times the government should be able to spy on someone through a laptop camera. I'm just saying I, I don't think that you can blanket say that's bad. The government should never do it. Well, I would rather the government not be able to do it than be able to do it in a blanket way because uh, because I think that the idea that they can do it uh, and abuse that power is overwhelmingly repugnant to me. And that that's a that's a separate issue. Like meta, how does the government handle metadata? How does it handle? And this this comes up in well, you know that's, this that's comes in up this movie, in yeah. This, well, no, no, I mean, right, but this comes up in any surveillance. This isn't unique to domestic surveillance, uh, the, the issues with there, is when you surveil a drug dealer, for instance, you're going to listen to him talking to his wife about something, some problem she's having that's not related to the case. That's yeah. metadata, and that's a part of any surveillance, and what we do, what do with that uh, is important, and, it, you know, it, the movie was saying, yeah, we can use all of that, and we can't. Like, there, there are, that's, that was, by the way, part of uh, the deal with working uh, with uh, with different companies like Verizon and, and Yahoo and those folks right. is they were just blanket releasing this information without trying to screen out metadata that the government didn't need. They just gave them everything. They're just like, yeah, sure, take it all. Um, <laughs> but so yeah, but I, Which, by I, the way, it's counterproductive. Uh, I think it's it's yeah, it's, it's wrong, but yeah, counterproductive uh, in the sense that it's just. Too much information. It's too much information, and you're not going to get anything from it. It's it's like not understanding how profiling works. Um, it's it's a misunderstanding of how you actually do decent police work. And and that bit too, where they you know he's using a keyword to look for like bush and attack, and he gets the my python's going to attack your bush. Like that's the thing too is there are limitations to the value and how much we can get out of metadata because. There are all sorts of different contexts, and it's really hard to sort of program that sort of thing when you're just doing a word search. Yeah, uh, Kelly Wan, where do you stand on all this politically? 
Uh, I find it appalling but unsurprising, and I'm sure they're still doing it. And um, well, they are still doing it. Vice is still a thing, yeah, and you know, yeah. yeah it's, uh, they're still doing it. But they got caught, so that was fun. But it's not going <laughs> to stop them. They're going to do whatever they want anyway. Well, uh, I, you know that, that. So there's a bit too where I. <laughs> There's a bit where uh, I think it's something that Snowden says uh, where he points out that his problem is the only thing you're really protecting is the supremacy of your government. Right. And I had to roll my eyes at that because I, I think Oliver Stone hates our government in a way that I don't, and I'm certainly more conservative than Oliver Stone. But I believe in protecting the supremacy of our government. I think our government is a wonderful thing. We yes. are a, we are a, a, a constitutional republic. We are a powerful, strong, idealistic, often altruistic democracy. Our government works. It's a good one. We do have checks and balances. All of this stuff is out of hand, and it is currently being checked, thanks in part to a whistleblower, Snowden. I mean, that, right. that that's a great thing. So I believe that the supremacy of our government is worth protecting. Uh, and Oliver Stone has Snowden deliver that line as if that's a bad thing. Um, you know, the bit where he's asked during the lie detector test, do you think this is the best country in the world? He should believe – well, I don't know if he should – he shouldn't necessarily believe that, but there's nothing wrong with believing that. Right. Uh, but, and I just, but if he's a whistleblower, should he be punished then? Oh, well, right. he, he broke uh, – he did – that's the thing, right. Techni- he broke laws. Well, that's part of the – that's what you just mentioned. That's Alt- the crux in, of it. You wait, almost what? mentioned that in in sort of a way of – Wedging that into checks and balances because we need a, a whistleblower to do that kind of thing. But should he be punished? Uh, I don't. You know, should Bradley Manning be released from prison? Well, whether Bradley is it Chelsea Bradley, I don't know what, which it is. But just for Snowden, should he be punished for what he did? That uh, technically yes, but if I, I would have no problem, for instance, if Obama pardoned him, <laughs> and I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the intelligence community's been severely embarrassed for political reasons. I don't think he's going to be pardoned. Uh, I personally would, you know, if I were president, I would pardon him. I think he did a valuable service by course correcting the government. The government was embarrassed and certain parts of it are going to be very angry. And I doubt that it's going to be, he's going to basically have to stay in Moscow for a while. Maybe down the line, he'll be pardoned. Uh, I think he shouldn't be punished, but I completely understand. You can't just say, oh, okay, it was for a good reason. You broke these vital laws we have about espionage. Uh, so, because it was for something that was ultimately good in this course correction, we're going to pardon you. I understand well, why that's not – What they did not- was illegal too, and they got off scot-free. Well, mm, I seriously doubt anybody got off. I, I, I can guarantee you, Kelly Wan, mm. that heads rolled, that behind the scenes there were probably some purges. Uh, I don't think they got off scot-free. Uh, so, we always, you say that, but we never hear about it. Uh, no, but we hear enough about like after certain periods of past, like how the intelligence community works. People got fired over this. I'm positive. So he should be tried uh, for doing something illegal because technically he did something illegal. Right. And uh, if, I, if it was up to me, I would I would pardon. Him. I mean, I think it was for a good reason, and I think I, I approve of what he did personally. But yeah, you're right, Dingus. He broke the laws, and if he were to come back to the United States, he would be tried. Yeah. But. Breaking the law in this case was probably the right thing to do as far well, as – because the government was breaking the law. Here's the thing that uh, Stone – where I kind of – I, I wish he was a little more graceful about doing yeah. this. Oliver Stone uses the phrase truth to power at least once in this movie, and truth to power was a, a vital uh, – sort of – it was an axiom of the civil rights movement. Uh, this idea that you speak truth to power, that just because something is powerful – it doesn't have to be accountable to certain truths. Um, 
And that that's an idea that goes all the way back to the Bible, the prophets and their relations to the kings and stuff. This idea of speaking truth to power, uh, that that social justice sometimes trumps actual legal justice. Uh, And if you were to look at what Snowden did as as an act of civil disobedience, which technically it absolutely was, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's he's up there with Thoreau and Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. But yeah, they, they broke the law. You know, Rosa Parks did not sit in the back of the bus. That was that was against the law. She she broke uh, some dippy law in Alabama or whatever. Um, and you know, should they be tried? Is the law is the law wrong? Does the law need to be fixed? In the case of the civil rights movement, absolutely, and that happened. Uh, here, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there needs to be oversight uh, to the intelligence community. Uh, that those laws need to be fixed. I I agree with that. Uh, hmm. Do I do I come across? I'm I'm, I'm like an apologist for uh, for the government now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, yeah, I, I I'm basically the Risa Fons character now. Great, <laughs> thanks for making me. I'm a giant big head. Uh, uh, I had no idea that was Risa Fons, by the way. I didn't either. Oh, I, did. I was totally confused. I I was like I I slightly recognize him. But I don't know who this guy is. He's playing Corbin or something. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea it was him. Uh, did you guys catch the Tom Hardy cameo? <laughs> did you not think that, Dingus? I totally did. <laughs> and I still don't know who that guy is. But oh, I... isn't it? It's the interview guy, isn't it? Marshall Logan Green? Oh, yeah, it's Mar- yeah, it is. It is. It is. Because it, it was as I was watching, I was like, is that Tom Hardy? No, they didn't. Come. And it was only after the movie that I went, oh, yeah, that's the guy who looks like Tom Hardy who was in the interview. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I didn't look it up, though. Uh, Dingus, why, what's your deal with Scott yeah. Eastwood? I, I just think <laughs> I just think that the picture of him on IMDb is so much I'm trying to look like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> and it just makes me giggle. Um, I think he's great as as uh, you know. For a while, I thought, is this Scott Con? No, it's not Scott Con. Um, uh, he's too shiny. But he's he's just got he's he's very good at that at that sort of uh, jock douchebag yeah. bureaucrat. Yeah. Um, he, he does a great job at it. I have no, I have no problem with him. I mean, Duke can deliver the line. He looks great. He does everything fine in the scenes. But when I, looked, man. when I looked at this picture on IMDb, I just made me laugh. I did enjoy like him running around beleaguered because he got in trouble. Cause something the Navy did, and he's like the middle management guy. <laughs> he's just really put out. It makes me imagine he's somebody that Kelly Wand would work for. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> God, Tom! I totally thought that was Tom Hardy for a minute. I'm like, why would Tom Hardy be? Yeah. Here? Well, I thought I, I figured, oh, maybe this is going to be some big part. Like, this is going to be a major character. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that party, this... by the way, was—I don't know if the, that party was hit by a drone strike. Yeah. What was up with that? Was that just him being weird again? Because you know, th- that's just like a regular party drone. Yeah. Is, <laughs> that him making. <laughs> Scary, yeah. It's uh, it's overhead. It's spying on you. And there's nothing. I don't think there's anything in Citizen Four about the epileptic stuff. That was weird. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is there in Citizen Four? Is there stuff about the black friend? Because it seems like he's sort of he's sort of exposing him in this movie. Oh, (laughs) that guy still works there. They're probably gonna go. What? (laughs) Todd, you stepped on the chip, you asshole. And then the guard's like, motherfucker. 
No, because you have to you have to think that Citizen Four is all the stuff that she could film. That's it. it it's her as a filmmaker. But is that guy based on someone? Or is it well, all Argo portion? I, I mean, I don't know. Well, the script is – Dingus mentioned the script is based on a couple of books, yeah. so it might be like an amalgam of different – I know, but I know how – it's Oliver Stone, and it's a movie, and right. I remember Argo and the airport runway chase. The... But that is funny. Like I wonder if his former right. colleagues are looking at each other going, were you the one that that character was based on? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, uh, what kind of unders and overs do you guys have? All right, my over is is really. Uh, I mean, yours are I think pretty intelligent. Uh, mine are not. Um, <laughs> my over is based. Dingus, on, you you right there. You sounded like Kelly Wand. That's the sort of thing Kelly Wand would say. Dingus, I I'm not going to accept it from you. My over is is based, Only and this me. is not well bracketed. It's based on, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that Austrian. Um, film clip moment the cow joke yeah, yeah yeah the cow joke because i i chose a, a a movie that uses that kind of film clip much better top uh, secret that's what i was thinking as a cow wearing boots wearing boots yeah no no it would be lucy it would be lucy and it's that those opening moments where uh lupasan is putting in uh, oh <laughs> What? Explain to Kelly Wand. I don't remember you know, that. Where she's going into the hotel and and you see the cheetah's taking down, uh, like a like a gazelle. Oh yeah, something. yeah. Um, like the horse in True Lies, that kills the old lady with its tail, in the elevator. Oh, True Lies. I was thinking True Detective. No one knows what you're talking about, Kelly Wand. Mm. Then on take take a number. I don't know. I don't know what he's talking. Nobody. About. Uh, Dingus, do you know who uh, Scarlett Johansson did that scene with in um, the opening of Lucy? You know who that was? Yeah, that's the dude from not the contraband movie, the hijacking. Pilo Aspect. <laughs> Pilo Aspect, Dingus. Pilo Aspect. I love saying that. Pilo Aspect ratio. I love. No, the Kelly Wan. Pilo Aspect. He was in. He's the evil uncle in Star Game Trek. Of, in Game of Thrones. Oh, he's, he's the uh, one who uncle shows up. Orders, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, Bruce Bolton. Uh, Greyjoy. No, 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 Greyjoy, the yeah, evil Greyjoy. He's the uncle of, of uh, Euron. Euron. That's his name, Huron? Euron Crow-Eye or something. Right, oh, right. Wow. He's missing an eye in the books. But the whole time I was watching this with Dingus, I kept going, Pilo Aspect! Pilo Aspect! I love saying that guy's name. But isn't that every movie? Pilo Aspect is not in every movie, unfortunately. Um, I have but his it's... action figure. <laughs> Can I borrow it? Yeah. <laughs> what? Never mind. <laughs> so Dingus, yeah, I love the, the show me, don't tell me. <laughs> those, those little bits that uh, Luke Besson plays with in Lucy with stock footage. Yeah, right. I, I, I wonder, like, did Oliver Stone see that and go, "Oh, I'm going to do that in one of my movies." <laughs> yep. And, the, and that's immediately what I thought of when I saw those cows. I was like, "Wait a minute, where? What? Okay, I think I saw this done better." Um, so anyway, uh, I love Lucy much more than I love this movie. I don't love this movie. I like this movie fine. Uh, I loved Lucy. Yeah. Um, but I like the way that, that Luke Bazan plays with that, even though it, it was weirdly jarring for me at the time. Um, it seemed like such an odd choice to do. But uh, now looking at this, I like it even more. Um, so uh, go ahead. Well, it sort of anticipates, too, like the, the, the ending and how she 
kind of transcends time and go like it, her relation to primal nature kind mm-hmm. of like and right. he establishes that early on it's like what what is this doing in here that makes no sense it's goofy but silly but it, I, I think it's it's a setup for later on what, what happens to her uh, it's a good biopic compared to <laughs> Lucy it's a great biopic yeah yeah, yeah. spot on it really is uh, the the uh, my under would be the movie uh, true story um, which is that uh, Jonathan Demi thing it's Jonah Hill and oh 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 I was thinking of the the Jonathan Demi talking heads movie I forget what that's called stop making sense oh you're right why did I think that was called no, true no, story no, but no I don't know what the movie's called no no there is a true like true story there is something there is a um, talking heads movie called like true stories yeah and, right you're talking about the thing we saw and by we i mean you and me ding is not kelly wand uh with jonah hill and james franco i saw the one where he's a babysitter instead yeah that's not the one that one because it's just it's it's this purportedly like uh get it (laughs) purportedly true story uh which i liked a lot of what they were doing but i would put it slightly who is the girlfriend in that blake lively no, Kelly Wand. You haven't even uh, seen it. Oh, well, that's why I'm guessing. <laughs> Dingus, do you remember? I'm just trying to cast it. Dior Baird? Oh. I know, right? In, in True Story? Yeah. Oh, God. No. I I have no idea. I just remember that uh, this actress I really love from the Louis C.K. show, Marie Dizzy, I was in it. Um, but I don't Another remember. Another Lucy. Yeah. I don't remember who the girlfriend was. So, you know, someone like Jenna Malone or something? I don't know. All right. Uh, all right, Kelly Wand, what's a movie that's better than Snowden, and what's a movie that's not quite as good as Snowden? I was going to tell you this, and I also learned something about relationships, I realized. I look Snowden. forward to hearing that. <laughs> so, you know, it's actually to... something that I learned in Snowden. Uh, if you live in Japan, it is really hard after an argument to slam a door. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really felt bad for her at that point. That was fine. <laughs> it reminds me of a, of a sign or in Star like, Trek about like having to slam. Like you used to be able to slam down the phone when you're at the end. Like I'm gonna hang up on you, but now you have to like look for the lo- little button to hang up your cell phone. But you know what, Dingus? And I thought of that of this during that movie, and you telling me about that bit as well. Nowadays we can do it by slamming down the top of a computer with, when you're skyping with someone. That's the equivalent of it's way more gratifying. You just whap, put the lid down. Not too hard. You yeah. don't break anything. But it can make a satisfying kind of whoomp sound. Yeah. There it is. When uh, <laughs> when I'm peeing in the restroom at movies, when I zip up, I think of the Star Trek door shutting sound. <laughs> in case you were wondering. <laughs> but if I could get serious for a moment. <laughs> when, the, when the credits started in this. Anyway, go ahead. I'll tell you that later. What? You're going to plant that seed? Something that potent? Like a beanstalk? Right now? All right. Uh, My over, I went with uh, Oliver Stone biopics. And for my over, I uh, picked The Doors. And for my under... Classic Val Kilmer, Kelly Wand, yeah. Uh, I picked the hand. It's not Oliver Stone. That's, that's an Oliver Stone biopic. Well, he wrote it. it he wrote the hand, the Michael Caine yeah. thing. <gasps> yeah. No way. It was yeah. His first movie, wasn't it? 
Wait, that's my over and Doris is under. Sorry, I got those mixed up. Yeah. <laughs> that he was wrote his hand. too. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Which oh, he sent echoes of in Snowden. <laughs> he didn't just write it, he directed it. Oh, did he? Yeah, he directed the hand. Wow. Yeah, yeah see? There's this, there's this great book I read. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, uh, but it was... It was it was this writer who was trying to seek out directors to say, uh, just talk to me about your first first movie. Uh, and every director talked about like their embarrassing first movie. And uh, he went to Oliver Stone to talk to. I mean, and and they all were so generous about it. Yeah, I, oh, that's I awesome. did this. Uh, and all and when he went to Oliver Stone, he's like, yeah, I won't do that. Uh, I'll talk to you about Salvador. Oh, he refused what? to talk about the hand. Oh, what a dip. Oh, my God. It was, it's it his total, best biopic. <laughs> he's a total dick about it. I mean, it, it makes him sound like a total, like, Donald Trump kind of character. Because when, I, when I was reading dick. the book, the, guy, the guy's like, I really wanted to talk to him about the hand and talk to him about all these things. But Oliver Stone's like, no, no, the important film we have to talk about is Salvador. So, I'm, you know, if you want to have an interview with me. And this is, this is an author who, you know, doesn't have any – any juice whatsoever. He's like, all right, well, I've got Oliver Stone on the line. So for, for everybody else, they talked about their crappy first movie that they made. And Oliver Stone is like, nope, I'm not going to talk about the hand. I'm going to talk about Salvador. And I was just like, God, I fucking hate you. So I have a dumb, what might be a dumb question. Was that an Oliver Stone cameo at the end? Was that no, him? No, no. If that was Ben, um, uh, no, but it looked just like him. Do you mean the, the okay. lawyer? The guy, yeah, yeah, exactly. The guy who spirits yeah. him away to the the, yeah. the Indian fans. So, okay, who, so that's an actor you recognize? Because I really thought, wait a minute, is that an Oliver Stone cameo? But then I also thought, well, he's he's got to look older than that. So, okay, that was not him. No, no, it was because um, he's playing a guy named Trivo. Uh, it was Ben Ben Chaplin, I think. Ben Chaplin. No, no way, that was not Ben Chaplin. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, and but he but he did look when when that when there was that long shot, I thought. <laughs> That looks like a that looks like Oliver Stone. That looks. That's like got to be Ben Chaplin trying to look like like Oliver Stone. They, I, think, be... I think you're totally right because I thought that's that hilarious. It's a phase. Yeah. Well, that's you know uh, uh, Jeff Bridges did a, a movie called The Vanishing, uh, which is a very very good Dutch movie that was made into a an American remake by the same director, uh, and the American remake is terrible. And Jeff Bridges is in it doing this weird accent and this weird voice, and he later said, "Oh, I was doing an impression of the director." Which I find hilarious. Uh, so I bet that's Ben Chaplin saying, "Yeah, let, I'm going to look like Oliver Stone." Dude, wow. Charlie Chaplin. That's a little tiny man for Ben Chaplin. That's a little tiny part. Okay. Yeah. All right, Kelly Wan. So uh, you apparently did learn something about uh, relationships in Snowden. What What did you learn? Oh, if you painted Dior a Baird green, she'd look Italian. One, two, three, not only you and me, but we're ready to dream. One, two, three, we need a partner, three, getting down with three, everybody loves you. I just want to say that um, after the movie ended, after the little, uh, there was a there was a Donald Trump quote, by the way, in this movie. Um, what? There was a Donald Trump quote. Do you remember the Donald Trump quote? Well, Trump says a lot of stuff. You mean something directly referencing him, or something that he just happened Wrong. to say at some point? There was yeah. a clip on yeah. the. There was a clip in the credit. Oh, I left as soon as the credit started. I was like, oh. screw. I flipped the screen off and left. Uh, no, what was the Donald Trump quote? There's a, there's still a thing called execution. 
And that was like the idea of being Trump thinks we should execute Snowden. Yeah. There, oh there's God. still a thing called execution, Donald Trump. Well, that's uh, a good idea, bad execution, that plan. But anyway, the movie ends, and uh, I think that the last thing that you see is like, and we will not be silenced. And so the, the credits start to truly roll, and somebody two rows up from me, um, a, a, an audience member goes, very nice. Ah. And it wasn't you. No, it was not. It was not me. Yeah. Somebody uh, up behind me goes, very nice. But in a normal tone, not yelling it. And not doing yeah, it. He didn't stand up or yeah. pump his fist, but he yeah. just said, very nice. More contemplative. And I wanted, I, I wanted you guys to know that other people say nice in movies. See? Is you know, it I, uh, nice at room temperature? If I'd known that that was Dora Baird in Star Trek, I would have stood up and gone, nice. She's very nice. I would have stayed sitting down so no one noticed my giant erection. Kelly Wand, oh my god. Wait I'm just kidding. It. It's not giant, it's not giant. <laughs> well, this makes three by three. They're your favorite Dora Baird movies. So- oh! <laughs> now, let's do things, objects, and devices that don't work. That like She always sounds. Yeah, she, she's working just fine. Uh, these are things that do not work, and they're not people. They're things, objects, or devices, Kelly Wand. Uh, and, Dingus, I would like you to start us off because you're introducing the topic for next week. So what's your third favorite thing, object, or device that doesn't work correctly? All right. The quote from it would be, but the gun don't shoot. And oh. go ahead. What does it sound like, Tom? It sounds like something from Raising Arizona. It does. They shoot um, horses, don't they? Don't they? Don't they uh, no. It's from the movie Shooter. Uh, oh. <laughs> I have a Mark Wahlberg movie on mine, Dingus. <laughs> We're both having Mark. Kelly Wan, is there a Mark Wahlberg movie in your three by three? No, his stuff always works in the ones I picked. <laughs> Wait, what? Like Boogie Nights? Yeah, that thing works at the end in that last shot. <laughs> All right, niggas. What is ready? This, what is this moment in Shooter? I'm ready now. All right, this is the reveal. Have both of you guys seen Shooter? A long time ago, yeah. I read the book. Point of Impact. All right. So the whole idea is that he's been framed um, for the assassination of this bishop uh, from Africa, um, and the way that they've the way that the government has framed him is by uh, bringing his gun and his, and um, doing metallurgy on his bullet uh, because he makes his own bullets. He you know he takes care of his own guns uh, and putting his own gun at the scene after getting him as a consultant to try to figure out who is going to try to assassinate the president at long range. Um, so they have his gun. They have the metallurgy from a bullet fired from his gun. They don't have, and they can't do any of the rifling on it because it's just been smashed totally. Um, so they can't really tell whether or not the bullet, you know, they can't tell any of the rifling. But they know that the metallurgy is right and that it was fired from this particular gun because that gun was found at the scene. Um, so the, in the final scene, uh, Mark Wahlberg has finally been detained and has been captured. And he's brought into this like little tribunal with the attorney general and his nemesis, Danny Clover. And his gun is brought in and put before them all. And um, he's like, yeah, that's my gun. That, that's you know that's the gun you guys say was used, and uh, they're like yeah yeah that is, 
And, uh, and then, uh, Michael Pena's over there in the corner. And Mike, Mark Wolver goes, Do you trust me? Do you think that I shot the bishop? And Mike, Michael Pena's like, No, I don't. Do you trust me with your life? Nope. Yeah, I do. I totally trust you with my life. So, uh, what none, nobody in the room, the attorney general and all those other people, uh, don't realize is that Michael Pena has palmed Mark Wahlberg, the prisoner in his orange jumpsuit, a uh, 50 caliber bullet. Um, and uh, he goes, okay, cool. And he puts this bullet in the gun while they're in this conference room. He, he cocks this huge uh, sniper rifle, points it at Michael Pena, and then points it at Danny Glover, his nemesis, and pulls the trigger. And, of course, it goes click. And uh, the gun doesn't work. This object does not work uh, because... Um, Mark Wahlberg has swi- switched all of the firing pins on all of his guns, which he always does whenever he leaves his house. And you could never tell this unless you have a micrometer, which you would be able – you could see uh, on a visual inspection, yeah, there's a firing pin in there. But it doesn't work because he's actually changed all of the firing pins, and you can't tell that without a micrometer. So this particular object does not work because he has – sabotage his own gun so that it can't work unless he makes it work. Well, then how did he kill the bishop? He didn't. Ah, so it's the literal opposite of a smoking gun. Yep. It's a non-smoking gun. It's, it's, a, va- it's, a, it's a vape gun. Yeah. Uh, so, Dingus, just because uh, you mentioned a Mark Wahlberg movie, I'm going to switch mine around a little. I'm not super attached to the order of them. And I'm going to say my number three favorite thing that doesn't work is the Deepwater Horizon. What? The actual thing, not the movie. The movie works. I went and saw Deepwater Horizon, and I really liked it. I can't believe I really liked a dippy Peter Berg, Mark Wahlberg movie because <sighs> Peter Berg just did Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor is – Taylor Kitsch is awesome in it, but otherwise it's just junk. It's ridiculous. It's just jingoistic junk. Uh, Deepwater Horizon has a sense of jingoism, a little over-patriotism. You see a lot of American flags uh, in, in conspicuous points and shots. Uh, but I – man, I re- – what, what was that, Kelly Wand? Because shots. Wait, say I didn't understand what. Because shots, but like guns, gunshots. No, I'm uh, like in the physical shot. I don't understand. Are I'm a little yeah, lost. Gunshots, but also you meant photography shots. So I, I did mean photography shots. I didn't mean gunshots. There's gunshots. No, there's okay. No... Sorry, I was confused. Uh, Deepwater. Do you know what Deepwater Horizon is? Like, it's not it's a oil slick movie. Yeah, it's not a it's not a shooty movie. It's not like an action movie Never. like Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor has a lot of gunplay, but there's Deepwater Horizon is about uh, the the oil rig that leaked you know millions of ga- uh, ga- barrels yeah. of, of oil into the the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, but it, it's it's not actually about the oil spill. It's about the the oil platform disaster that precipitated the oil spill and i didn't realize this um but i just i knew that there had been a mishap on the oil platform i didn't realize the um how dramatic the mishap was i didn't really know what i was in for i thought it was just in for something where maybe mark Wahlberg is like shut it down you have to shut it down and he's yelling urgently into a phone and they don't shut it down so oil leaks uh no this is like a a a full hard-on serious or sorry hardcore whoops serious disaster movie uh and in disaster movies by the way they always have because i was thinking of this for the three by three there's the moment where you're like 
you know, what's the thing that starts the disaster? Like in Tarion Inferno, there's like a wire that's wrong, and we as the audience see the wire spark, and then the sparks fall in some oily rags or something. Uh, You know the moment something's going to go wrong. Um, And here I will say Peter Berg wasn't really clear about just what went wrong uh, because I think he was more interested in telling a really dramatic story. But the actual thing that I'm choosing is the B.O.P., on the Deepwater Horizon. And one of the things I learned from that movie is that the BOP is the blowout preventer. It did not prevent a blowout. A blowout happened. The BOP did not work. And Deepwater Horizon happened. Uh, hmm. Do you guys know who besides Mark Wahlberg is in it, by the way? Uh-oh. It's a Kurt Russell movie uh, as well. Yeah. Uh, so I should a, see it. There's an actress from a TV show called Jane the Virgin, which I've never seen, but I've heard of, and she's great. I want to see other stuff that she's in. Um, the the kid uh, from the Maze Runner, who I liked the Maze Runner movies, and the kid was just fine in him. He's just a young adult male lead in those movies, but he's in it. His name is Dylan O'Brien. And he's really good. Um, so I am a I'm a bona fide thumbs up approver of Deepwater Horizon, and I certainly didn't expect to be. I'm actually pretty excited to hear that uh, because um, I have this weird thing that I love about The Abyss, and that's that uh, one of the reasons I love that movie, uh, in spite of its flaws, is how it creates a different um, – different, but it creates its own world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just imagining this oil, this this platform – um, and in a much a different way than the kind of the goofy way, if you'll excuse me, the, that Armageddon shows it as just kind of a shootout, but as its own environment and yeah. and how um, the inhabitants of this environment, which seems to be would have to be any time I'm down at the beach in Los Angeles, I look out there and see those platforms out there and I just wonder what is it like living out there? What what is that? What is that life like? And when I thought about that disaster, and when I thought about you talking about this, Tom, I was like, how would you how would you deal with evacuating that? How would you deal with evacuating the life that you had to lead in that place? So uh, to really sell you on this, Dingus, where the movie really got me early on, there is some amazing, well, not amazing, just some really well done what I would call procedural porn <laughs> about that oh, sort good. of thing. Uh, and I love that Peter Berg just shows us his world. It's great. Yeah. Oh, good, because that's one of the things that drove me crazy about Light Between Oceans um, is that I really right, right. know more about the lighthouse. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is a lot of the early – you know, the, the, the first half or whatever of, of Deepwater Horizon is Peter Berg just showing these, these blue-collar – I mean it's really a uh, – it, it's really rah-rah, blue-collar Americans are great kind of movie. Uh and they're all, you know, it's off the coast of Louisiana. John Malkovich does this completely off the charts Cajun accent, which is which is really fun. Um, but a lot of it is just him, the him setting up through the camera, following these guys going about their work, uh, and it's really charming early on. And like I said, some great procedural porn. So, oh man, that, that makes me really want to see it actually. Kelly Wan, you might not get that movie in Germany. You guys wouldn't understand. It's way too American for Germany. Yeah, we don't care about oil spills. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you don't have any oceans. Yeah, yeah. it's not like the North Everything's Sea. Everything's solar here. There's no right. ocean. There's no oil platforming in the North Sea. Yeah. We care about Black Sea because it's got gold in it. Oh, you know, there's another submarine heist movie coming out that I, I thought of Black Sea. Shoot. 
Do you guys know about this? There's a submarine heist. Dadgummit. No. Submarine heist? Yeah. They steal a submarine? Well, that's a genre now, I guess. Like after Die, Black, after Black Die Hard. Mm, yeah. It's not like Die Hard in a submarine. It's something about a submarine heist. I, you know what? I don't know. What, I can't tell. Like the deep. You should stop talking right now. I really should. I know. Okay. And we should go to uh, Kelly Wan's third favorite thing, object, or device that does not work. I think that's supposed to... Oh. Um... <laughs> Okay, my number three one is uh, the fog machine and living in oblivion. Um, <laughs> first, it's not working that well, and then it's working too well. So it's it's actually working both times, but neither time. Oh, I skipped you, didn't I? I skipped yeah. you. I'm so excited about following up on a Mark Wahlberg movie with another Mark Wahlberg movie. What was the first one? Well, Dingus is shooter. Dingus did shooter, oh, yes. and then I was like, "Oh yeah, I did Deepwater Horizon." Right, right, right. So, I, right. sorry, Kelly, one I turned. So, the fog machine in Living in Oblivion apparently doesn't work. You're saying? Well, it it works. I think they change uh, and they change the kind of dishwashing detergent they put into it, and then it works really well. But then it's too foggy. So, I don't know. That, like it that. is a great bit. Yeah, that's a that's a great bit in Living in Oblivion. Whatever became of that guy? The guy who directed that. I don't know. It was a one-hit wonder. He really was. He did that weird movie with Brad Pitt called like Dinklage Honey. is in it even. Oh, yeah. that is Dinklage. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, and Brad Pitt, the, that character in Living in Oblivion, Chad Palomino, is supposed to be based on Brad Pitt. Well, the director, I forget his name, but he's had to say, and I think this is for the sake of continuing to work, that he was not based on Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh. He's publicly said because that movie, it was called Johnny Handsome or something like that, but that was a uh, Tom. It's like Tom DeBont or Tom DeBonte or something. Tom Conti? No, that's an actor. At any rate, he did this movie with Brad Pitt called Johnny Handsome. And then in Living in Oblivion, you clearly – anybody who knows, yeah, this right. is the guy's second movie is thinking, well, that's obviously his experience with Brad Pitt. So he, he has publicly said, no, it wasn't Brad Pitt, really. And Angelina's. What? Nothing. She's not in it. What are you talking about? Uh, I, was just, I was just saying something. I'm sorry. I thought Johnny Handsome was a Mickey Rourke movie. Yeah. I think you're thinking of that Johnny face. Swade. Of what? No, what is it? Johnny Swade. Is that the Tom DeConte dad gummit? I can't I even no There's idea. also Johnny Bago. I'm not I Googling this. I think I think it's I think the Brad Pitt movie is Johnny Swade, but I don't know if it's a Tom whatever. Tom DeCillo. I went. Right. And I just thought of that. I didn't look it up on, on uh oh Johnny Swade. Yep, I'm seeing right here. I mean I'm remembering right now Johnny Swade. Yeah, directed by Tom DeCillo. See, he discovered Catherine Keener in that movie. He's doing TV. Yes. That's what's going on. Yeah, he's doing TV. TV's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it all the time. I want that to be my ringtone. TV's TV cool, cool, man. Come on, guys. Stop picking on TV. Thing is, what's your second favorite thing, thing, object, or device that doesn't work? I'm a TV apologist. I support cathodes. It just sounds like such an 80s PSA. TV's cool, man. No, yeah. you've got to read. No, I think Kelly Wallen does a thumbs up and there's a freeze frame on it. Yeah. yeah. And then someone throws a TV on my foot. And I, a tear falls down my face. You guys don't get it. TV's cool, man. Yeah. All right, uh, number, such a pariah. My number two object, thing, or device that does not work. Uh, here's here's a little bit of dialogue from it. Uh, bomb doors, negative function. Oh, oh, shoot. Dark fire Star. The, fire the explosive bolts. Dark the Star. Circ- the operating circuits are dead, sir. It's not Dark Star? No. Shoot. It's not? 
That's a great one. Well, it's not. It's not Catch Twenty Two because the bombs dropped there. Shoot, what is Strange Love? Oh yeah, yeah, it is Strange Love. Right, right. Yeah, Uh, it's the bomb doors in Doctor Strange Love. I love that sequence. Uh, I tried to. I actually wanted to look for something in Failsafe uh, because I love Failsafe and I love to write two puts mm-hmm. on any of these. But it's, it's worked a lot of well. weird sort of electrical circuit malfunctions, um, and it's kind of a cascading kind of a thing that happens that makes that happen. Uh, but the the Doctor Strange love where they're, like, trying to flip the switches, and the, the bomb doors will not open, um, and it's just a negative function on the bomb doors, and even the explosive bolts won't go off. So it's it's the ending part of Doctor Strange love. But they do fix it. Yeah, it works fine in the end. Fixed it by kicking it, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like one of my it, runners it, up actually is kicking something, but but I prefer this. Yeah, and it's not like anyone got hurt when they fixed it. That's a good point. Yeah, Dingus, just as your very good friend, let me give you a bit of advice. Anytime you want to put failsafe on a three by three, put Doctor Strangelove on instead. <laughs> All right, thank you. I will. I will put that on like I stole it. Kelly Henry wants- Fonda, but then say Slim Pickens. Is it your turn to go next or my turn yeah, to go next, Kelly? Watt? I'll go really fast. Yeah, go ahead. Take as much time as you need. My number two is the Tom Cruise's climbing gloves and oh. Ghost Protocol. <laughs> That's a good one. I love That's that good. sequence so much. He just throws them away in disgust at the end. So he's like, fuck, get away from like, it. You can't stand them. And it's so hilarious. It's like Weekend at Bernie's for like 20 minutes and I love that all none of Simon Pegg's shit works but that's like the most annoying one and it's like the whole action sequence is just based around the fact these things suck yeah that, that's, a, that's a, a weird moment Brad Pitt, uh, Brad Pitt Brad Bird did a great Brad job Bird. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah I love that it's sequence. hilarious comic timing by Tom Cruise he's like so pissed off yeah it's just, yeah ah! exactly he's so like yeah he's Ethan Hunt this shouldn't be happening yeah. to him <laughs> I gotta work t- ten times harder because it's stupid C-3PO's bullshit Uh, My number two thing, object or device that doesn't work, uh, slightly inspired by Mark Wahlberg. There's a a comic named Daniel Van Kirk who does an amazing Mark Wahlberg impression, uh, and he was recently on a podcast talking about the movie The Shallows. And in his Mark Wahlberg impression, he says, yeah, isn't that that movie about some chick who annoys a shark for 90 minutes? <laughs> I just heard that today. That's great. Uh, and so my, my number two pick is in The Shallows, Blake Lively finally gets to – you guys really shouldn't see The Shallows, so these are minor spoilers. It's about a surfer chick who gets bit by a great white shark, and she gets away from it by swimming onto a little bit of a, a reef outcropping, but she's way out from shore. So the shark is circling it, and she's sitting there, and this movie – which I really don't like, has to come up with interesting things to happen for 90 minutes so we're not just watching Blake Lively wait for the shark to go away. Uh, Not that, by the way, watching Blake Lively in this movie isn't a treat. She looks amazing in this. So they do things like, you know, she has to sew up, she has to stitch her wound with uh, her jewelry. Like she fashions a needle out of her jewelry, she stitches her wound, she uses like her wetsuit as like a bandage thing. Uh, She has a buddy, uh, like a friend seagull. A seagull lands and she hangs out and she talks to it. She fixes its broken wing, and they, they bond. Um, Holy shit. Wait, she fixes his broken wing? Yeah. With yeah. her jewelry? No, she, she just does – no, she does the thing like, okay, this is going to hurt. And I'm watching the movie thinking, oh, my God, she's going to kill it. Like She's going to break its neck. But she, And I don't think you're supposed to think that. I think it was just me. She's holding the seagull like tightly. The seagull can't leave because it has a broken wing, and that's how they bond because otherwise – you know, why is a single seagull just going to hang out on a rock with a chick? It's got things to do. This Does one is it a broken. Save her? 
Uh, like, no, but another thing. Itself. So two things I was worried were going to happen in this movie that, spoiler, don't happen. The first is that when she picks it up and she says, okay, this is going to hurt, and I thought she was just going to put it out of its misery, she instead just like does the thing where you pop the wing back into the socket, like like Mel Gibson does to his own shoulder in Lethal Weapon. <laughs> uh, so she fixes the seagull swing there. And then there's another time where I think she lets the seagull swim out, and I, I thought she was going to feed it. She was hoping the shark would eat it to give her time to swim away, and that didn't happen, so – um, so the sequel could be in the sequel. Seagull. Seagull Let's do that again. <laughs> but at any rate, to make more interesting things happen in these 90 minutes that Blake Lively is annoying the shark, uh, there happens to be a buoy off a little ways from her little shallow reef where she is. And she figures if she can make a swim for the buoy. Oh, she has to actually, because the tide is rising. So uh, she has yeah. to make a swim for the buoy. Um, so she, she does and it's super dramatic and oh is she gonna make it of course she's gonna make it she makes it to the buoy and on the buoy lo and behold she finds uh and i don't i didn't know they kept these on buoys she finds like a little rescue kit which has like a a flare gun in it and so she sees a ship off in the distance and she's going to shoot a flare up and just because we would then be watching a movie about a woman waiting for several hours for the ship to respond to the flare the flare doesn't work. Like she does all this to get there. She gets the flare and it just kind of sputters out a little bit, like in a little tiny arc and then falls into the water. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So fortunately that uh, then keeps us from having to wait for the boat to come pick her up. And then the shark attacks the buoy and they fight. Uh, There you go. Does she make a buoy knife out of her jewelry? Kelly, if I told you how she kills the shark, you wouldn't believe me. Is it like – does she steer a boat into it like Mrs. Brody in Jaws 4? <laughs> if I told you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. Just tell me the uh, – OK, no, don't tell me. Do I'll you know – I want you to picture things that Wiley Coyote – oh, no, that the Roadrunner would do to Wiley Coyote. <laughs> to, uh, break the laws of physics? I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying that's what the finale is like in The Shallows when is she it kills like the, the shark. the end of The Duel that I made you watch? The the Dennis Weaver thing? No. That's just duel. Oh. The duel where what's his name pushes a boulder. Oh jeez, oh, a Pete, the duel I've already put that out of my head, Dingus, and you put it right back in. Dingus. <laughs> uh, poor Tom's head. <laughs> that is a Wiley Coyote thing. You're right, Dingus. Very good. Oh, that's a great three by three. Wiley Coyote moments. Wiley Coyote moments. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, Blake Lively's flare gun in The Shallows, in which she annoys a shark for 90 minutes. Thank you for that one, Daniel Van Kirk. That was amazing. Uh, Kelly Wan, what is your... Wait. Wait. Dingus. Dingus, right. Sorry. Dingus, what is your favorite... One of the things, objects, or devices that doesn't work is uh, me keeping track of whose turn it is. So Dingus... But it works eventually, like the explosive bolt. Also, when you keep score during our... uh, our, Quiz games. Yeah. Never trust me to do math. Infinite circumferences, inference scores. Not math, that's geom- geometry. <laughs> inference. <laughs> What's this got to do with rocks? All right, my number one choice for things that don't work in a movie, I'm sorry, things, objects, or devices that don't work. Here's a quote from it. Wagon's having a bad day, boys. All right, here's uh, a straight story. Wait, I, is it Meek's cutoff? No. Best Little Whorehouse. No. Tell me one, I had a legitimate good guess. I'd like you to acknowledge that. Oh, what was yours? Meek's Cutoff. Meek's Cutoff. Yeah, yeah I thought of that first, but it seemed too obvious. <laughs> oh, great. 
right, here's a little bit of a, a dialogue from it. Um, how about I pretend it's your dick? You never get it in if you did that. Green Lantern? <laughs> no, this is from the movie Hurt Locker. And this is the little wagon <laughs> at the beginning of Hurt Locker. <laughs> um, and I love the way that this works out. They have this elaborate robot that goes on out there that try to figure out what's going on. The robot figures out, you know, pulls pulls apart all the uh, stuff that's covering. Oh, oh, look, it's the it's this particular shell. All right, we'll bring the robot back, and then they hook it up to this wagon. It looks like it was made by a 10-year-old with these bicycle tires on it. Um, And it rolls back out there, and then one of the tires just falls off. And uh, um, and I think Anthony Mackie goes, yeah, that was made by the U.S. Army. (laughs) Um, uh, So this is kind of twofold. Uh, it's, It's this particular object, the wagon not working. But this is something that has always bothered me about this particular movie and this particular, uh, not, not about the movie itself, but, but about the idea of this. Uh, he, you know, Guy Pierce has to get suited up in this huge, uh, bomb suit. Um, and he like lumbers out there. He picks up the wagon since the wheel has fallen off and ceased to work. And he carries the wagon to put it down, uh, so that the, uh, it will be a, a controlled explosion not blow up the neighborhood but blow up in a certain way because they've controlled the explosion um and as he's walking back of course the thing gets detonated and that's why he gets uh dispatched early in the movie uh but why why are you guys dressing up in this huge um this huge outfit that really isn't going to do anything anyway uh you know I don't understand having to get out of the blast radius um, when everybody else is out of the blast radius as well. If you're in this bomb suit, what is the point of the bomb suit? I don't understand the point of the bomb suit. Um, but mainly it's the wagon, but secondarily it's it's the idea of the bomb suit that doesn't really protect you from the bomb. It, it does depend on the size of the bomb, though. Like the bomb suit would save you from certain types of explosions but i presume if you know how much explosives are there there's a certain point where you're like well there's no i don't even need to bother with the bomb suit yeah right but but they know they're like yeah he's not out of the rate he's not he's not out yet um and that's why uh anthony mackie is telling i can't i can't remember the character names at this point uh eldritch and not cleaver uh, isn't one of them eldritch though yeah i think you're right yeah uh, telling him to just take out the guy with the cell phone, just take him out. Um, and I love that opening sequence. I love I love Guy Pierce in it so much. It's, yeah, so, you think you're watching a Guy Pierce movie. Yeah, at that point. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about hammers. Is that weird? Not for you. And I love the. I mean, and they have this whole camaraderie, and he's not even going to be in the movie for that long. And that's one of the brilliant things about this, Catherine. How do you say your last name, Tom? Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow. That's right. I also um, say it. I have no idea. I think Mills. Um, <laughs> um, but it's that it mainly it's that wagon that the army has has fashioned for them after the, the to be trundled along behind this super high tech high tech robot. Mm-hmm. Kelly Wand, what do you have that is just as good as that in terms of things, objects, or the de- devices that don't work? <laughs> 
My number one is the telepod in the fly. Because I feel but like it does work. No, that's not what it's supposed to do. <laughs> no. It's not the no, problem. It doesn't the prob- work. The problem is the wrong. problem isn't the telepod. The problem is that a fly and a baboon are both in or not that a fly and a man are both in there. It works. It's just you're not supposed to have two entities in there. That right? it should know what I mean. <laughs> 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 that's just being of obtuse and that's just fucking with me look there's a bunch of microorganisms in there too so it's like it's fusing us all every time i go in there that's a good point you got me there well kelly Wan, this is a great segue because my number one is also a john getz movie and my favorite thing that doesn't work in a movie is john getz's car in blood simple there's that great moment in Blood Simple, and good lord, talk about people's first movies, Dingus. Uh, this was, first of all, the Coen Brothers' first movie. We all know that. Frances McDormand's first movie. I just watched it. She's so freaking adorable in Blood Simple. I mean, she's a beautiful woman anyway, but looking at just how kind of just young and fresh and scrubbed and, and oblivious she is to everything in Blood Simple. Oh my god, she's so pretty. Um, Barry Sonnenfeld's first movie, and Carter Burwell's first soundtrack. You know, these guys had never done anything before, and they get together and they make Blood Simple. Blood Simple 2 has just so many shots that are like, whoa, how did they come up with that? I mean, it's just so clear that that's like the birth of genius right there. Um, But I love that little bit where – and I forgot too how grim it is when John Getz is dispatching Dan Hedaya, and he buries him alive and just how horrific that scene is, and after he does it – there's a long shot of him in this field, and the, the, the sun has come up, and he sits there, and he smokes a cigarette, and he throws a cigarette down, and then he gets in his car to drive away from where he's buried this body, and his car won't start. And then, well, So what happens is he gets in the car, and the Carter Burwell music starts up, and he goes to – and you just see this from a long shot. He goes to start the car, and it, it does the little thing like a dead battery, and Carter Burwell's music stops, <laughs> and then there's a moment where he tries again to start it. He tries again to start it, and you're thinking, oh, my God, he is so screwed if he can't get out of there where he just buried this body. And then he does it again, and it catches, and the Carter Burwell music starts up again, and he drives off. But uh, I just I, – I didn't remember these flashes of humor in Blood Simple too, like the, the bits with the, the guy at the cul-de-sac having to turn around and come back the other way. Uh, yeah, Blood Simple's so good. Because it's subtle in that – it's still a it's still a Coen Brothers noir movie. It, they don't know what any, they could get away with yet. Yeah, before any such thing existed. Um, yeah, like it, it was. It's also kind of the founding of a genre, isn't it? I mean, there have been crime thrillers before, but you know, the Coen Brothers are kind of a genre now. And you see, you you see other directors imitating them, and uh, it's you know, this is where it all started. Uh, yeah, they never really went back either. What do you mean? Like, I, that's another thing. Like, Car? I'm watching. Uh, no Country for Old Men. That whole bit with uh, mm. Anton Chigurh on the in the in the that Texas hotel. I, I think that the finale in Blood Simple with Emmett Walsh and Francis McDormand, it's it that's it's that scene fleshed out in No Country for Old Men. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I put Cormac in its own category. It, it is kind of yeah. It is yeah. It's sort of like because it was a book first, but it was also a screenplay before it was a book. But it, it's just. Oh, I didn't know that. Principles like a yeah, and then he wrote his book, ironically. Um, but yeah, there were all those John Dahl movies that came after Blood Simple. Well, uh, uh, the man who wasn't there—that's as noir as it gets. Yeah, 
That's true. But it's super Cohen-y then. Right, right. Yeah. Like Blood Simple, you could get, you could almost go, it's not a Cohen Brothers movie yet. Like some, maybe someone else could have made Blood Simple. Mm, I'm not sure I agree because you, you no? really do. I haven't see seen it in a while, so I trust you more than me on this. There are just so many little details in it that, like the, well, I, you know, see it again. I, I think. All right. I, I hadn't seen it either in ten years. Like I just went to the part where uh, John gets his car wouldn't start to watch that, and I did a dingus where I'm, I'm like, okay, I ended up watching the rest of the movie for an hour. Um, mm. uh, and I'll go back and. I, I should check it out again. Yeah, it really holds up. There's just some right. – again, there are just shots in there that I'm like, what? <laughs> they did this in what, 1984 or whenever? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, this, is, this is back when they were like Steven you – know, Steven Seagal movies. We didn't realize how crappy they were back then. You know? Yeah, we did. And we, we Did we really? Okay, I maybe didn't. Uh, <laughs> did we really? Uh, Come on. All, I was I the first time even on Under Siege this like big one I was like really guys it really took me Die Hard to Die Hard on a boat was that post Die Hard Steven Seagal was doing stuff yeah it was die totally hard, post Die Hard it was a ripoff of Die Hard it was Die Hard on a boat well I'm thinking then of like Chuck Norris I'm thinking of like crappy 80s action movies with guys like Chuck Norris we didn't know how crappy they were and, you know this and the Coen Brothers come True. along with Blood Simple. Uh, yeah, we consider Chuck Norris movies action. Like, right. Oh, it's going to kick something. Right. That's in minutes. Yeah. Hang in there. Here it comes. Chris Hobson writes, for his number two, The Mask, Jim Carrey visits a mask expert, played by Ben Stein, to demonstrate all the amazing things that happen when he puts on his mask. But nothing happens, and he's forced to improvise while Ben Stein plays boredly with his pen. The Black Cat. Night, what? 1934? <laughs> Chris Hobson, movies from 1934 can't be any. <laughs> As one exit after another is politely and apologetically shut off, it slowly becomes clear that Dr. Polzig does not intend for Mr. and Mrs. Allison to leave his house. His mocking remark to his friend Vitus reflects the obsession with death that both of these World War One survivors have. What? Uh. Oh, oh, he had a quote that I didn't read because I didn't know how to read the quote. The quote is about a phone being dead. So the phone in the black cat that doesn't work, and then as Hobson says, there are other ex- avenues for exit that get shut off. Arden Sedlins writes, number three, Lord of War, the jamming AK-47s that the Liberian thugs pull on Nick Cage, which he himself provided, undercutting the rifle's famed reliability. Uh, Nick Cage <laughs> offers to fix the jam, only to be met with a rifle butt to the face. Mm. Children – oh, here's a good one. This is like John Getz's car. Uh, John Getz's car. Children of Men, the car that Theo has to push start as he – oh, you know – Oh, yeah, that's great. No, it's not great. I'll tell you why. That he has to push start as uh, he and the others protecting the pregnant woman must escape the farm pursued by an angry mob. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that they don't want to start the car to alert anyone. They roll it silently down the hill to jump start it, don't they? Uh, well, and then it works too, so that kind of breaks it maybe. Like does it work immediately? Oh, like it takes a couple of I, – I just remembered they roll it down – yeah, because I guess – I thought it got stuck though, and they really were trying to get away. That's the suspense is like he wants it to start. I do, remember them, I do remember them being chased while they were pushing the car though. Yeah, and she gets shot, Julia Moore. Spoiler. Oh. <laughs> uh, OK, well, we'll, we'll accept that one, Arden, but uh, there are some questions, Arden. These like, are spoiler-free, the three-by-threes? No, I'm teasing. Oh, OK. Uh Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. The yeah. Malfunction Right Sticky Glove. That he Fuck did. yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just one of them, right? It's that's all it takes. Uh, he says the whole scene is full of tension. Uh, there are many examples of technology not quite working as it should through the film. Uh, the hallway cloaking device, the failing face mask maker, the IMF message phone booth in Russia, and the nuclear control suitcase. That doesn't work. I like that uh, he said the failing face mask maker because that, when when you guys were talking about that that glove, I was thinking about that same thing. That's a, that's a good choice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shaheen Ali writes. Uh, oh, good lord, Shaheen! This is a top ten. We'll just run down them. Uh, Ava and Ex Machina. The Death Star in Star Wars should have had that exhaust port fixed, he says. Uh, the puzzle box in Hellraiser. What? That works great. I think it does as well. Shaheen Ali, have you seen Hellraiser? It doesn't work, I guess, for – well, no, it does work great. Yeah, it's a, it's built for a purpose, and it fulfills its purpose. The Cenobites you know, want it to do what it's doing. That I consider working. Uh, apparently, Ron Weasley has a damaged wand in Harry <laughs> Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> What about in the movie? <laughs> oh, uh, Shaheen Ali also says the B-52 bomb bay doors in Dr. Strangelove. I guess. Aww. And here we go, uh, which is what Kelly not Wand and I were thinking, the smart bomb in Dark Star. Ugh. But I think that works. It does, you know, it's what it's supposed to do. Wouldn't you right. say that, Kelly Wand? Uh, yeah. The airport. What about how? Uh, he wore, I mean, doesn't he? He does what he's supposed to do. Yeah. That's yeah. true. He kills astronauts. Uh, in the movie Excalibur, no. Mordred Spear impales King Arthur but fails to stop <laughs> Arthur from his land. Okay, that one. You what? Are, are, Shaheen Ali had like ten things. I'm not even going to – something about the spear in – The spear uh, doesn't work. In Excalibur. The shark doesn't work. Uh, it impales King Arthur but fails to stop Arthur from slaying Mordred. Oh, well, he pulls himself up along the spear, right? Isn't that one of those scenes that I'm thinking of? That's Fellowship of the Ring, brah. It might also be Excalibur. Maybe it's they got it. Maybe with a sword fight. Arthur Gianjin Vanelli writes, Mission Impossible goes protocol, the suction glove. Uh, oh, I like where this is going. Let's see. Right, the, guys. The Prestige. Working under Hugh Jackman's orders, David Bowie and Andy Serkis. What? Andy Serkis? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and Andy Serkis, I didn't remember that. Uh, they try to build a device that teleports to subjects, but they are unsuccessful in a manner of speaking. The machine never works as it's supposed to. Instead, it creates an exact copy of the subject in a predetermined location. Okay, yeah. I'm, um, yeah, that works for me. Mm. Uh, and then the result is, uh, that, yeah, as we find out. Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood's shotgun misfires during the final shootout in Skinny's Tavern, forcing him to throw it at Gene Hackman. Mm. Earlier nice. in the movie, Hackman tells English Bob's biographer that guns misfire from time to time and that men have died due to these malfunctions. Sure enough, after Eastwood kills Skinny with his first barrel, the second barrel misfires when he tries to shoot Hackman. Despite the inconvenience, Eastwood's still able to keep calm and aim well. Finds a workaround and throws it. <laughs> uh, Arthur, I love your runner-up. Armageddon, quote, This is how we fix problem in Russian space station. <laughs> Turn the crank. Yeah, yeah. Good use That's of a, a good wrench. One. Yeah, good use of a wrench to fix a malfunctioning part in a surviving spaceship. The stupid machine and twister too. That thing never worked. Uh, that might be on someone's list in Kellywan, and you just scooped them. Oh, sorry. Grant Stewart uh, says, "Ah, I guess it's unsportsmanlike to just say that nothing Lindelof has ever touched has worked." Yeah. <laughs> but that said, here is three things. Ocean's Donut Eleven. Shit. 
Uh, after griefing Matt Damon about being prepared all through the movie, Clooney hasn't checked the battery for the remote detonator to blow up the safe. Cue much smugness from Damon, who has spare batteries. Uh, total Recall, the Verhoeven one, obviously, Grant says. The head of the fat lady malfunctions and fails as a disguise. It also turns out it was a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Two Oh, Here's a good one. So it took me a quote to realize he doesn't say what the movie is, but it took me a quote. Uh, you know what? This isn't a thing, object, or device. Grant, mm-hmm. first of all, you're going to jail, even though we like what you did. Much like uh, Edward Snowden, I approve of this, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna send you to prison, Brad, Grant Stewart. Mm-hmm. Grant Stewart's pick, Brad Pitt's Italian, and for me to understand that he had to write the word beyond your no. What's he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Right. Yeah. Dingus. Well, Dingus, are you on board yet? It's a device. Hmm. Glorious Bastards. Yeah, Dingus, his, his, his Italian, his Italian, yeah. On now. <laughs> I know, but it doesn't work. That's what, that, Dingus, that's why Grant Stewart is in jail. I have a Just whole so different... Know. That's why he's in jail. Dingus, I imprisoned him. Accent. I imprisoned him. It's okay. He's off the streets. But I still think it's funny. Come on. Two strikes. I love hearing about Brad Pitt's Italian in Inglorious Bastards. There's never a time that that's not something that brings a smile to your face. Come on. Right. Uh, Grant Stewart, have fun in prison. Chris Webb writes, uh, I have two. Uh, he made a stipulation for himself that guns aren't allowed. Mm. Chris mm. Webb, you're violating the Second Amendment. Uh, in National Lampoon's Vacation, there's a vibrating bed that gets out of control to the point that Clark and Ellen Griswold need to move their amorous intentions to the floor. Uh, the noise of the bed attracts the attention of their kids, who then walk in on them. Chris Webb writes, weird Orama. Now, Kelly Wan, do you know, is he talking about the original or the Ed Helms European remake? Vacation. Think. Oh. Is it European vacation? Because he has like her panties on his finger. I, I he... yeah, I'm not aware, but uh, uh... no, it's the first one. I'm dumb. The second one, you don't see the sex. Okay. The first one, uh, it's after the Christy Brinkley episode brings them closer. Uh, okay, Dingus, we might. Uh, Dingus, we're, we're going to have to, I think, team up and throw him in prison for this one. I don't know, because Kelly Wan, I imagine, will defend. He says his favorite thing, object, or device that doesn't work is Patrick Wilson's thing in Watchmen. Because even though he has Malin Ackerman's fully operational objects and device right in front of him, he can't shoot his flamethrower until he hears Leonard Cohen music. Been on that date. Yeah. Dingus, you should go to prison for that one, right? A penis is not a thing, Chris Webb. It's a precious part of your body. It's a person and place. Do not objectify your penis. Uh, yeah, Tom did not say unit. Yeah, or, or package, or junk, <laughs> or little bishop. I didn't say <laughs> units. Uh, because I don't really remember it, I have a runner-up as a condom breaking in Greece. Oh, Chris Webb. Ouch. Uh, it was re-released in theaters when I was a kid, and I remember asking my dad in the theater, what's a condom? And he whispered back, I'll tell you later. Goes on your leg. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh darn it. Sorry. Chris Webb notes that his father's subtext with the I'll tell you later meant uh, hopefully my kid will forget about it and I won't have to answer. And then we won't have to talk about abortion later either. Oh my gosh, yeah, where that leads. Well, yeah. Nick D, Office Space. 
quote, PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> That's a good one. What is it? Explain it to me. It's the uh, printer that they take out and beat. Oh. Eh, okay. I feel bad for that poor printer. Uh, Apollo 13. Well, here we go. Oh, wow, very good. Along. Yep, Ed Harris pulls all the guys at Mission Control into a room that looks like a classroom and attempts to turn on the – oh, <laughs> I thought he was going to do it on a, on a larger scale. Yeah, me too. Uh, Ed Harris pulls all the guys at Mission Control into a room. It looks like a classroom, and he attempts to turn on the overhead projector so he can present the situation to the group, except the projector doesn't work. So he has to push it out of the way and resort to the basics with a blackboard and chalk. That is actually a brilliant choice. Nick, that I is thought he was going to talk about the malfunction on yeah, That's great. And then Nick follows up by finishes up by saying, "It's a great goddamn it does nothing at NASA work moment." Very good. <laughs> that is that is my favorite. That's great. Uh, oh, I like this one too, simply because I'm in a Coen Brothers groove right now. Uh, Fargo in the little cabin where Showalter and Grimsrud are staying. It's got to be Peter Stramari and Steve Buscemi, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There is nothing to do, and the TV doesn't work, showing nothing but snow. This doesn't stop Showalter from pounding on it and yelling fuck repeatedly while Grimsrud just stares at it vacantly. When he describes it, I clearly – absolutely, that's Peter Stormari and, and Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's nice. Can't get his Bruce Campbell fix. Chris Markinson, did you know that uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead just restarted Kelly Wand? Oh, no. Speaking of Bruce Campbell fixes. Uh, Chris Markinson says – What are you talking about? Uh, Dingus, there's a series on uh, is it FX? I forget what network. Uh, called Ash versus the Evil Dead, and it's I think basically it's Netflix. Is it Netflix? It's no, it's Stars. Stars, right, right. It's something weird. Yeah, it's a channel that you'd never think of. Uh, so Dingus, it's uh, Bruce Campbell uh, revisiting his character from the Evil Dead movies with a couple of young kid actors, uh, and Lucy Lawless is in it. She's great. I thought it was a movie that was going to come out. No, they're little thirty minute. They're super short. Uh, they obviously have a decent effects budget because they do a lot of crazy like zombie stuff and gore, or not zombies, demons. Um, but yeah, it had a first season and uh, the second season started. Smash after- hit. It's funny. It added out a good note, too. Well, the problem is, Kelly Wan, you and I have talked about it. It doesn't have enough Bruce Campbell. That's true. It, it really but flags it, when they want to go to their younger actors and play it with them. Uh, but there's always more. I don't know. I kind of like Kelly. <laughs> she's got the, the, the chick, yeah. Yeah, I like her. She's kind of – she's weirdly hot. Like, you first look at yeah, her. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's okay. But then as it I goes noticed. on and she does, like, her whole sexy seducing and demon-possessed bit, you're like, whoa, she's kind of hot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kelly Wan, this isn't the TV podcast. Sorry, sorry. Jeez, Dingus, can you believe him? (laughs) Chris Markinson says... I'm happy that he said, I kind of like Kelly. Hmm. See, Kelly, because you wouldn't watch... Before you said you wouldn't watch movies with your name in the title, like King Kelly, but yet you like characters who have your name. I'm hitting this. Sweet. Chris Markinson (laughs) says, here are three three things, objects, or devices that don't work. Or in the case of my number three, it doesn't work until it gets repaired. Hmm. Number three. What? Markets and Empire St- Oh, okay. Oh, Empire I'm so back. happy he did this. Oh, yeah, there you are. Dingus, what are your influences? <laughs> uh, Joseph Campbell, um, Ayn Rand, and uh, Chris Markinson. <sighs> Star Wars. He actually mentioned Star Wars. Any, anybody? Well, okay. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. The hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon gets damaged and doesn't work while Han and Leia try to escape from the Hoth system. That's sweet. Uh, that yeah, was, I thought of that one. When I, when I asked you last week 
if it could just be a scene where it doesn't work, is in if it gets repaired later on. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I'm so happy that Chris chose that. Well, nothing. I mean, something that doesn't work never. Wait, not doesn't always not it never work. Wow, that's a good point. <laughs> I was just thinking of that. The quadruple <laughs> negative. Something well, that doesn't work doesn't, doesn't not necessarily work. never not not work. work. Right. Thank you. Never. <laughs> just be. Anyway, it's okay if it gets repaired is what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Where were we? Number two, The Witch. What? Okay. Uh, William and – oh, here we go. Oh. William and Caleb enter the forest to go hunting, and they spot a rabbit. William attempts to shoot the rabbit, but the gun doesn't work and backfires and, like, burns him. Like, it hurts his face. Yeah. Yeah, because he's hexed. Well, that's that, – in that forest, nothing works. Like, their, their crops don't grow. Everything's right. like – and that rabbit, that's a freaky little rabbit. Mm-hmm. He works. That's a scary rabbit. Uh, number, Monty Python. Uh, oh, they, huh. Okay. <laughs> number, oh, number one, Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon attempts to use the time machine that, uh, his, that his uncle and brother have purchased only to painfully find out that it doesn't work. Mm. I could have told you that. Uh. <laughs> uh, runners up, gentlemen. Dingus, you obviously uh, would have chosen Star Wars, but Chris Markinson mm-hmm. scooped you. I definitely would have chosen Star Wars. I love that he did because, again, that was one of the things. Uh, I, I would choose either uh, Wrath of Khan or Star Trek Into Darkness for um, kicking the uh, hyperdrive back into place uh, and getting all burned by radiation because it's not working. And so they have to fix the hyperdrive, not the hyperdrive, the, the, the lithium coil crystal uh, warp drive. Dingus, dingus, it's called a warp drive. Yeah, warp drive. You, you finally got there. I was, uh, I, thought I, I thought you needed rescuing, but you arrived where you needed to. I stumbled around. Uh, I love the moment in uh, The Dark Knight where the uh, detonator doesn't work. Yes, yes. That's but we perfect. did talk about that before. I thought about that as well. It's a little switch that Heath Ledger is using. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah but it's too quick. Um, and then I, I didn't want to have to choose uh, Midnight Run yet again, uh, but but I thought everything in Midnight Run worked. Uh, his watch doesn't work. Oh, that, Dingus! Oh. It's a big plot device, but we. Oh my gosh! Right, I know. I can't believe I can't believe I let you get away bringing that up. I thought you were going to bring up something new and fresh. Nope, the watch. All right. <laughs> Where he's constantly like tap 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 tapping on the watch. Kelly Wand, any uh, runners up for you? Uh, just the cone of silence, but only from Get Smart the show and not the movie because it kind of fucked it up for the movie. Yeah, and this isn't the all TV. CG. Not the good TV, point. Not the TV podcast, Kelly Wand. That is my favorite unworking device in in literature. <laughs> literature, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, televised literature. Come on, TV's cool, man. It counts. Game of Thrones, televised literature, right? Yeah. Okay. Just like the books. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. For Get Smart, I mean, not Game of Thrones. Dingus, uh, what are we doing next week for a 3x3? Three three? All right, this uh, this comes to me uh, based on a movie we saw a couple uh, few months ago. Um, we've already talked about our favorite scenes involving swimming pools. Uh, this is your favorite uh, empty pools in movies. Hmm, I think I have at least two already. Yeah, I've got a couple as well. I just love that that image of why why would you shoot that in an empty swimming? I'm gonna be. I'm just putting you guys on notice. I'm gonna be so mad 
if either of you chooses my number one because I'm going to save it for my number one. And if one of you jokers is like, eh, it's the third or second best one, you're you're both in trouble, by the way. So I want you to keep an eye on each other. Neither of you steal my number one, okay? All right. All right. I'm going to be the cop, though, so you, you're not going to – I'll stay in the shallow end. No, Dingus, please. You're, you, if yeah. The thing is, even if, if you haven't thought of this one, you're going to go, oh, yeah. You know, maybe you guys yeah. don't even know what I'm talking about. Clarine's right. a girl's name. Because what if there are other people listening out there who are like, oh, yeah, I'm like Tom Chick. I'm thinking those are great ones. All right. <laughs> With that tone. Yeah. Tony just said Chlorine is a girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. You, so. you, Kelly one, you've known a girl. Not if you're white. Right. Well, not biblically. <laughs> <laughs> Only Quranically. All right. So uh, your favorite empty swimming pools, empty pools in movies. Uh, please send in your picks to 3 by 3 at quarter to 3com That's 3x3 at quarter to 3com And if you have ideas about the next movie we are about to see... Which is? Oh, jeez. Did we even choose? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dingus doesn't remember. This will be a pleasant surprise for you, Dingus. Dingus, it's a little movie called Swiss Army Man. Oh, I don't think that's a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Kelly Wan, shut up! Quit spoiling it for me and Dingus because we haven't seen it yet. <laughs> if you have some uh, ideas about or your uh, your thoughts about Swiss Army Man, please oh. send those in as well to three by three at quarterfifty.com. We would ask that you would title your email differently for those two things. Um, just say Swiss Army Man thoughts and send those in to us and then send your 3 by 3 thoughts. Uh, you can send three movies, you can send one movie, two movies, uh, however many you want, that's fine with us. As long as you don't send in the one that I'm thinking of right now, I want to be the only one to come up with this one. Exactly right. Uh, so join us for that next week. I'm Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. I I know, I just said that. And we had Kelly Wand. What if 127 Hours was a prequel to The Hand? La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Dino say is watching us. The joke's kind of on them since I'm such a dumbass. Uh, how would you explain the internet to a child? Hmm. Well, how would Elijah Wood describe it to Vin Diesel? I swore an oath to keep it secret. <laughs> this lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Vin's our Snowden. He's like a white Snowden. <laughs> I've met a lot of astonishing people in my life, but you. Yeah, broke your streak. <laughs> Fascinating wand. <laughs> Not about television at all. <laughs> <laughs>